Greetings, fellow investigators, and welcome back to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. The scenario is Mr. Corbett. It was written by Michael DeWolf, and it appears in Mansions of Badness. I'm the Game Master, and this is Episode 5. Our recap will be given by Chris Van Wyk as his character, Jacobus Vandervolt. So, without any further delay, let's continue our journey into the darkness. Chris? My dearest Mahrit, as you know, leaving Africa has been a bittersweet dream come true for me. The pharmacy is doing well, and I've surprisingly grew fond of my new assistant, Jenny. I've mentioned her in previous letters to you, and I believe if I play my cards right, she may just become the new Mrs. van der Waalt. How I wish I could introduce her to you and mother in person. However, in the last week, something alarming is unfolding in our quiet neighborhood here down in Arkham. It started when I saw one of my neighbors and a widower, Mr. Corbett, drop something rather odd and quite macabre while unlocking his front door. Then one of our neighbors, Survey Leroy, suddenly passed away. Now, if you recall, he was the gentleman who gave me the magic playset I sent Ben as a birthday present last year. As single events, these two incidents don't seem to bear any weight. However, the last person to speak to and share something to drink with Survey was Mr. Corbett. Yes, and before you say so, I did promise you to keep myself out of another mystery. But in my defense, I did not think to find anything in Survey's glass. Much to my surprise, there were remnants of what seemed to be spores in the leftover liquid. Horatio Horngold, my friend and neighbor from the university, suggested that we take the contents of said glass first to the university and then see a specialist at the local hospital for further analysis. We would then take the results to the police and that would be the matter closed. If only this was the case. Horatio noticed an orderly named Randolph Tomaszewski playing way, paying way too much attention to our conversation at the hospital. Following the meeting with the specialist, Horatio and I met up with Eugene Eben and Peter Harrow at Eugene's carpentry workshop. We planned to share the results of our finds and have a quick lunch. Now that I think of it, I must order one of Eugene's coffins. They are rather exquisite and seem quite comfortable. And, you know, I do need a place to store all the dried peaches from last year. But you know, I digress. Peter and Eugene did some sleuthing of their own. According to the information Peter found, Mr. Mr. Corbett's wife and newborn son died under strange circumstances, and there had been a witness. The nurse, Miss Dunlop, who assisted with the delivery of Mr. Corbett's son, was found unconscious next to the bodies of both Mrs. Corbett and the child. Miss Dunlop was initially committed to hospital, but after regaining consciousness, moved to the Arkham Asylum. The apparent shock of losing both patients proved too much for her to keep her sanity, and she was herself, at least, as I understand, she passed away a few years earlier. Eugene shared information pertaining to the living. He saw something move in Mr. Corbett's basement. But how can that be? As I write all of this to you, I can see how it may seem as the notes to a rather exciting detective novel. Alas, it is all but so. Do you remember the sermon old Reverend Michon gave about devil worship when we were children? The one where father was so cross with him because he was so graphic in his descriptions. What happened next makes me believe there's much more truth to what old Reverend said that day than what we were made to believe. As we were digesting our newfound information, the same orderly that we saw earlier at the hospital walked by the workshop. 
He had an urgency in his step and a nervous glance over his shoulder, like someone that had burning fear of being found out. With our suspicions raised, we decided to follow him to what turned out to be his place of residence, a rather seedy-looking block of apartments in downtown Arkham. Peter and Eugene decided to confront him, while Horatio and I watched the back of the building. You know, I never, I've never seen a man fall himself to his own death, nor did I think I would grow cold with shock as I saw Tomaszewski's body lay motionless, broken and bent in front of Horatio and myself. Why ever did I call out his name when I saw him climbing out of that fifth-story window? Maybe it was some higher hand's way of retribution, for what Peter and Eugene found in Tomaszewski's apartment can only be described as the possessions of a devil worshipper and the results of his twisted acts. It would seem, however, that this evil has crept into our neighborhood. On one of the shelves, a woven basket stood with fresh fruit and vegetables. The same kind of woven basket in which Mr. Corbett has brought all of us, at some point or another, the same vegetables and fruit from his garden. Excellent. All right. So you guys are still at the apartment. You know that you've, you've asked that the police be called. Uh, so the police are on their way. Uh, probably an ambulance is on its way. Uh, You've probably got about five or six minutes. Uh, I believe uh, Simon and uh, Peter are upstairs. Uh, and Jacobus uh, uh, and Horatio, you are downstairs. What do you want to do? Seeing, <clears throat> seeing uh, what looks like the Corbett garden basket on top of the icebox full of mutilated animals in this dead man's apartment. Uh, I think I'm going to grab it. The only way I'll know for sure whether it's a proper Corbett basket is to inspect it and its contents. And then downstairs before we have to answer endless questions about why we broke down a man's door before he fell to his death. Are you uh, going to take the basket with you? Yes. Okay. So you grab the basket and you run down the stairs. Um, a few moments later, uh, Simon and Clayton, uh, ah. Clayton, um, Peter, uh, come out the uh, front door and you guys go over to where uh, Horatio and Jacobus are standing over the body. Uh, by now, a few people have come out from the inside of the building. Peter, we have a problem. We have a few. What do you have in mind, Jacobus? Well, um, I'll... what do we do? <laughs> I We go back to our respective workplaces um, and then tonight we show Mr. Corbett the basket that he gave to Ralph Tadashevsky, the animal mutilating jackal. That is the first time Horatio and Jacobus you've seen that he has the basket. And it's got, you know, two yellow zucchini, one green, some handsome green peppers, 
High and other things that look very much like what we both have and what we all have in baskets at home. Um, I have no words. I, I this is just crazy. You can hear sirens in the distance. Yeah. Shall we walk, gentlemen? Yes, uh, I, I think so. It's fairly really easy to to get lost in the crowd that is now forming. Do so. you think it's a it's a good idea to just leave without speaking to the police? Well, we we did, you know, he so, and I described what we heard through the door. Like he was chanting, there was incense. He seemed to be panicking. Uh, when we heard the scream, I told Eugène to break down the door, but it was too late. He was gone. So I don't think we have anything. And they're going to find the icebox full of animals mutilated, and they're going to know that that was the jackal. And they're going to find he had human skulls in his apartment. And he had a little satanic shrine with human skulls. Oh, my. So nobody's going to mourn him. And if we stay out of the police's way, we don't have to tell them anyway. I'm sorry to, um, you know, as a representative of the legal profession, I, I feel somewhat remiss, but there's nothing we can tell them that they don't, that they need to know. Hey, stuff happens. Error can, errors can be done at, at every, and every time. I mean, in everything, you know, don't feel bad for, for this kind of thing. So where is it your intention to go to from here? Back, just back to your neighborhood? I think yeah. back to our workplaces. Uh, my oh, I, my right. office will be expecting me to return, certainly. All right. If anyone is going back to the neighborhood, they can take the Corbett basket with them. I could. Oh, right. You were thinking I'm, about, you wanted to meet Corbett before he got yeah, home. Before he got, he got home because of the thing now, I what, saw in the Why do you think the, the animal in the basement can talk? It may be superstition. It wasn't As, a person that you saw, though, right? Yes, but I don't know. With all we've seen right now, uh, I prefer not taking my chances. Well, maybe then we should approach Bernard as a group, but not you alone, if you don't want to take chances. That sounds like the, I mean, that's, and again, I know that's that this is. also something, yeah, that's, that's more reasonable. I might have overanalyzed it or that happens. Hey, if you'll excuse me, gentlemen, I think I'm going to be sick again. Oh, sorry. I I didn't really look at him for that reason. I understand. Uh, maybe I'll, well, all right. Maybe I'll go to the offices. Maybe I'll go to the office and tell them that I have to take the rest of the afternoon and we should go to Corbett's together. Are you all free to do that? Uh, yes, I have no, no more lectures yeah. today. Um. I, I should just, if we are going to go, we should go now. I mean, I'll just have to work much, I'll have to much more work more when once this is finished. So I can, I can free myself up as well. 
right. So, uh, Rachel, take take these tablets. They'll they'll settle your stomach a little bit. Or just calm Thank your nerves. You. Thank you, Jacobus. So as I understand it, you guys are going to go back to your offices uh, and dismiss yourselves and then get back together and then go see Mr. Corbett at his shop. Or go to Corbett's house and see if there's really an animal in the cellar. Yeah. I mean, if we're going, I can I can call the office rather than going if we're going to take the rest of the day off. It does feel... I mean, maybe it's the fact that a man just fell five stories to his death that makes this seem very urgent, but, and, you know, a little perspective would be good. I mean, it's the day after the 4th of July, too. Nobody's really getting any work done. That is true. And Jacobus, I, I have to rely on you for transport back, back home. Or yeah, sure. wherever it is you wish to go, I, I'm quite happy to. Well, I can, I, if you have something that you have to finalize at the university, I can take you there. No, it's not or, necessary. But if you don't but, mind, I just need to stop at the pharmacy and then we can, we can head home. Yeah, and we're, now that we're in town, it's a, a walk to the neighborhood, right, Tom? 20 minutes walk, right? Mm -hmm. Five minutes drive. Is there anything but, else you wanted to do in town? Well, that's the question. Do we want to take the basket to Corbett's shop and confront him? With Where his two assistants are? Well, maybe it would be good if there were other witnesses. I mean, yeah. I mean, is he going to be yeah, in his I shop can, now? I see what you mean, but if the thing is with what we have right now, if they are on his side. It may be better if he's just alone, because, you know, if they get aggressive, knowing how they are, I'm not a fighter, despite, despite how I look. I, you know, I think that what we're dealing with with Bernard is that he has secrets. I don't think that his staff probably know anything more about his mysterious pet or his association with a Satan worshiper. I imagine that he keeps it very much to himself. Regardless the question of... is, do we want to like see if we can figure out what's in the cellar in secrecy, or do we want to go to Bernard and ask him to explain what in blazes is going on? I'm pretty convinced that he will he will um, talk himself out of explaining the basket to us. It, it if we were to find additional proof, it may be easier to confront him. But again, I don't feel just after what happened, breaking into his house does seem a bit extreme. I'm not talking about breaking into his house, but just ask him him, asking him as he goes towards his house. So what will we ask him? Well, explanations in general, you know, 
define the fact that we found a basket at the place of a satanic uh, cultist and well, with other words, because I'm not that good with it, but because if his two guards, workers that are that are with him, you know, he has an entire shop. We don't necessarily know everything that's in it. They might there might be weapons. We we don't know. I mean, clearly our imagination has run away with us. And it's not as though we can drop by and say, hi, Bernard, we were peering through your cellar windows because we have no respect for your privacy. What kind of animal are you hiding in your basement medical facility? And why? It's just so absurd. Since it's a furred animal, we can say that we found fur. And it doesn't look like anything we could see in uh, in everything that is around here. I don't know. I well, I mean, if the if it's some sort of lab fun. animal and it never leaves the basement, we couldn't very well have found fur. I think if we walk up to him with an obvious lie, given how strained relations are, that won't that doesn't bode well. But the truth is ridiculous. Well, maybe we should, well, maybe we should um, let the death of, of, of Dumasiski's death break. Or mention that in front of him and see his reaction, if any. In terms of the, the animal, the, the thing in his basement, um, maybe Eugene, you can approach Mr. Corbett and say, you know, you were walking towards work this morning and you notice raccoon through the window. You see saw movement and you think it's raccoon and, and see what he says. Mm. Something like that. I mean, it's, it's still, still, I mean, if he, yeah. if, if he, if he dismisses these questions, hostile I'm thinking about this right now but if that gets him hostile we might not get any information about what's in his greenhouse so maybe I should ask about his greenhouse greenhouse first as he gets towards uh, as he gets home Horatio well, looked inside the greenhouse and didn't see anything very surprising. Exotic plants and the statuary. Now that yeah. I've seen the kind of paintings and books he has in his home, the statuary is even less surprising. I mean, the thing is, he did he could, he took, took a, look, a look at this by, you know, a small hole, not by being inside it. So what did we expect? I had a limited view of find. the interior. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, do on. we want a, a, a tour of the greenhouse to find out uh, if he grows mushrooms? I wouldn't do that it in would a greenhouse. Could get us something. I could get us something. It might not be much, but 
Gentlemen, what do we think it means that Bernard was friends with Ralph Tomaszewski or had some kind of relationship with him? Does it mean that that the limb you saw was some animal limb that the jackal had cut off of some creature? Did they have some kind of exchange of meat for vegetables? Ratio, I mean, what we saw wasn't animal. I, mean, I think we're pretty convinced that it's, it is human, or was human at least. What uh-huh. if, what if um, dear old Randolph uh, upped his game and started pinching limbs? And have there, have uh, there been any uh, um, re- missing persons reported? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. There's been no such news in the uh, in the papers. Um, Arkham, like any other semi-small town in Massachusetts where there's lots of woodlands, there's always missing people. It happens a few times a year. Uh, mostly old people wander off and get hurt and get lost and then don't get found until they're dead. Uh, children wander off. But you haven't seen anything lately in the newspaper, correct? If we're to approach Bernard and ask for a tour of his uh, greenhouse, maybe we should do it before he finds out about Thomas Zeski's uh, demise. Otherwise, he might... What we yeah. also can do is, is share our knowledge um, of the the spores, at least the final analysis with the police. Well, about and casually inquire if there were any human mutilations recorded. About the the the, the thing I've seen in his basement, it was along with a lot of equipment. A bit too much equipment from what he is known to do so talking about this rather than the the living thing should be a better idea potentially do you think they're both members of some satanic co- uh coven or well as i said uh, <sighs> it appears that bernard is certainly not you know the question that i had assumed but he didn't have a he didn't show me a shrine with human skulls, just a you know an Indian religious text and painting. I think we should take a deep breath. We should be conscious of the fact that we inadvertently just drove a man to his accidental death. And we should uh, reflect before we confront our neighbor with a bunch of wild ideas. I'm going to go back to the office. I'm going to see if I can reach the doctor that was attending to Mrs. Corbett when she was pregnant. And he might know something about what happened to the nurse as well. And when we go home this evening, maybe have a simple, healthful meal and then reconvene 
and consider what we've learned and what actions might be appropriate. Does that make sense? I agree. I will, I will contact the police, the detective, just give him what we found out. And I think our, our plan was that Eugene would speak to Mr. Corbett about the greenhouse. So if he feels just to do that. Yeah, I might just take a look at his greenhouse and that would be about it. And if we come home at five o'clock, respectively, we can keep an eye on Eugene and Mr. Corbett and make sure that, you know, yeah, I if he does respond badly, that we have a, you know, we have numbers. I, I do have a vantage point from my um, upstairs room into Bernard's garden and greenhouse. Um, we can definitely uh, look out for Eugene from there. You're welcome. Eugene, just don't eat or drink anything. Yeah, that would make sense since we all know what happened to our well, past friend now. Okay, so I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you. Are you guys taking off of work and going home early? Or uh, me home, home early. Town? Yeah. Me home early. You're going home early. I'm going wherever Jacobus is going. So Jacobus will stop at the pharmacy, make a phone call. And from there, we'll head back to our residence. Okay. And Peter, you were going to make a phone call as well? Yeah, and I'll yeah, just make some excuse at the office to leave afterwards. Okay. And to clarify the phone call you're going to make, you said you were going to talk to the doctor. Um, Norton. Eric, Dr. Eric Norton. Right. Um, but was he, wasn't he, was he the doctor in charge of the nurse that had gone crazy? He was in charge of Dunlap's, okay. Well, I would like to talk to him. I also thought we had, when I sent my clerk in this morning, he was also supposed to find out who was attending to Mrs. Corbett during her pregnancy. Um, no one, just the nurse. Okay. Then that's the only doctor I have to call. Okay. Yeah, Dr. Norton was Dunlop's doctor. Is that right? Uh, he was he was in charge of the sanitarium that she got uh, okay. put in. Um, and he's he's retired, isn't he? Uh, yeah, probably at this point. Uh, but he still lives in town. Um, all right. So and and Jacobus, who are you going to call? I'm going to call the detective that um, interviewed, well, that attended to surveillance death. That was um Whitfield Whitfield yes, yes. yeah officer Whitfield okay um so uh, let's do uh, uh Peter first Peter you make the phone call um it takes you a little bit to get a hold of him but you eventually get a hold of Dr uh Dr Eric Norton uh, he is now in his 70s, uh, and he's recently retired. Uh, yes, this is Dr. Uh, Norton. What can I do for you? Uh, 
and I sort of give him the lawyerly credentials to send like I'm not just a random lunatic and I explain that I'm a neighbor of Mr. Bernard Corbett. Ah, Mr. Corbett, yes. And uh, he's been uh, acting peculiarly of late. Oh. Yes, and I'm I'm a bit concerned about him, and I'm curious as to uh, the circ the condition that you found the the nurse in after uh, his wife's and child's unfortunate passing. Oh well, Miss Dunlap was um, uh, what you might call a spinster. She never she was not the marrying kind, but she. Uh, she was a midwife, and she was uh, placed in charge of uh, taking care of Mrs. Corbett during her pregnancy. She had a rather difficult pregnancy, you see. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of sickness, uh, vomiting, uh, discomfort uh, as, the, as it progressed. Um, and as it turned out, the child was stillborn. Um, we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, she was found in a catatonic state. Um, she was brought to the sanitarium and uh, she survived for a number of years. Uh, she never spoke. She never uh, uh, acted or reacted. We had to feed her. Um, uh, it was as if she wasn't there. She was out of her mind. Um, as I recall, though, there was a, a few moments just before she passed uh, that she began mumbling mm. um, rather incoherently, um, probably reliving the experience. Um, she said something about the child, the child. Um, she was, was regretting it. That it. She was regretting something. Well, that it had died. Uh -huh. Was it was it your impression that her condition was caused by the shock and distress? Well, she was the... an old woman. I think she may have had a stroke. Mm. Is it possible that Mrs. Corbett passed because she was unassisted because of Miss Dunlap's condition? I I suppose that's possible. Um, did, uh, so when Mr. Corbett called, finding his nurse catatonic, his wife and child dead, yes. yeah, I'm sure the authorities came. Were you one of the responders to the event? I, I was not. Um, that would have been somebody at the, uh, the hospital, I'm sure. Um, yes. But uh, from what I understand, yes, uh, uh, she was catatonic, and uh, uh, it was quite confusing at the time. Um, she was the patient that I took care of. Uh, apparently, uh, the wife and the child had died. Uh, the child may have been dead already mm -hmm. uh, and uh, been, been stillborn. And the nurse was unable to staunch the bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Mrs. Corbett passed. Um, and then apparently Mr. Corbett mm -hmm. came in and found it, found it in this state. Rather traumatic, I'm sure. I'm actually surprised that he hasn't seen a psychologist. Yet. He's a very, very private man. Um, it's a wonder that to me that he still lives in the house where such a tragedy 
occurred. Well, psychology is an odd thing. A lot of people are afraid of psychologists. That's true. Um, well, I'm, uh, I, I very much appreciate your time. Uh, if, if I have news and you're interested, uh, I'll be in touch again. Hopefully it's just uh, a, a passing storm. I'm sorry I couldn't be of more help. Sometimes one doesn't know just what questions to ask after all, and some things are lost to time. Indeed. Thank you very much, doctor. You're welcome. Ah, Ayukovis, I'm sorry, who are you calling? Um, Detective Whitefield. Ah. Uh, good afternoon, this is Detective Whitfield. Uh, Detective, it's um, Jakubus van der Waal speaking. Ah, uh, we Mr. Spoke, van der Yes, we spoke of, well, we met uh, at, at my neighbor's oh, yes, I incident recall. that I had. We, um, we took the, the contents of the glass for a second opinion, and we oh, actually yes, spoke yes. to Dr. Dr. Jenkins at the university, as well as uh, Dr. Wells at the um, General Hospital, both of them confirmed that it's a biological entity that was in, in the glass. So, uh, and both of them actually concluded that it must be some kind of mushroom spore that was introduced into the, the, the alcohol. Um, unfortunately, yes, unfortunately, none, not, neither of these two gentlemen were able to identify the actual species. Or the identify whether it was poisonous? No. Um, they, um, Dr. Welsh means, mentioned that he will perform a few additional experiments to see if he can identify and actual properties. Um, our take on it, and this is now just me and, and the rest of uh, the neighbors, is that um, there was definitely, or potentially, that this could have led to um, surveys, hallucinic experience and potentially his death. Uh, interesting was um, one of our neighbors, uh, Mr. Corbett, he's quite a, um, a fundi in terms of growing vegetables and edible plants and so forth. He actually suggested that it could be the uh, could be a, a local grown mushroom that introduced the poison or the... Some and, sort of um, poisonous mushroom. Yes. And... Uh, it may be worthwhile to follow up that lead with him to uh, see what he says and, and explore that a little bit. Um, can I ask you, at least this, this has no actual weight, but it's, it's a question I'd like you to answer honestly. Um, how is uh, Mrs. Uh, Leroy acting? Is she, does she seem grief-stricken or is she... She was pretty grief stricken. She went to, as as I understand, she went to visit her sister. Um, she oh. definitely weren't in a state to. Um, she was taking a survey's death quite quite badly. Because frankly, I mean, if you, between if, us, if there's a question of poisoning, and from what I understand, from what you you and the others have said. There was some tension between them. It's not the first time that a wife has murdered her husband by poisoning him. That may be. But from my, from my experience with both Survey and his, and his wife, um, 
it 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 wasn't I don't think the the tiffs they've had would lead to something as dramatic as the one killing the other, to be quite honest. Hmm. Well, to be quite honest, um husbands and wives kill each other all the time and they're never the kind of people that would do it otherwise uh <laughs> you know, look quite quite bad um keep me apprised if, if you find out if there's a toxin actually involved um i'll uh, i'll uh contact uh the uh, uh the botanist you said the, uh, the university? Yes, Dr. Wells. Well, um, that's Dr. Jenkins, yes. At Dr. Jenkins. I will, uh, I'll see what he says. Um, I, at the moment, um, we're, we're working on the case. Uh, so far, it seems as if there's a little bit of funny business going on here. Um, But we'll, we need more evidence before we can do anything. Certainly, we need more evidence before, before we can start questioning people. Understood. Well, if you if you need to uh, need additional know, information for us to, to do you explore, know where Mr. Leroy or Mrs. Leroy's sister lives? Her address? No, I don't have that information. But I'm pretty sure one of the other neighbors may have that info. All right. I'll get in contact with them. Um, thank you very much for calling, uh, Mr. Von Vandervolt. You're welcome. All right. Um, Tom, have we, when was the last time Corbett gave us baskets of vegetables? Um, Pre-4th of July. Sometime. And the basket that we found at Tomaszewski's, was that as fresh as the last, as the batch that we got, or...? Um, is it I mean, you'd, you'd guess maybe, uh, yeah, probably about the same sometime on the weekend, maybe. Of course, it's in, um, Tomaszowski's department was a mess. It was kind of as if he just shoved it to the side. He hadn't touched anything in there. Um, probably it would have just rotted since Thomas Oski seems to be eating something else. But did, um, from what Eugene and Peter described, was it, it was quite fresh? Well, let's see, do a, call it, do a knowledge roll. That's probably good. Knowledge. Oh, that's good. That's, <laughs> that's a hard. Probably, probably no, no older than a week maybe three or four days. And do we know other people that he gives fruit, uh, vegetables to? Just your neighborhood. I mean, I don't know. He, he might give them to his employees and people he knows in, in, at work. Um, you have, I have no idea. He doesn't have an endless supply of baskets, though. <laughs> he knows that you guys will all give the baskets back. Okay. All right. So, are we going to move to the end of the day, five o'clock? Unless you have something else you want to do before Mr. Corbett heads home. 
I'd like to find my friend John at the hospital. Okay. Uh, Jacobus, what can I do for you? John, um, again, sorry to, to impose. I know it's nearly end of day for you as well. I have a rather strange question to ask you. Sure. Have you, have you ever experienced, I mean, you do keep a morgue at the hospital, right? Yes. Did you ever experience body parts go missing? Body parts go missing? Um, yes. I mean, there are people who have amputations, but all of those are collected and incinerated. And, and who was responsible? Who was generally re responsible well, for I that? mean, whoever's cleaning up the... Uh, the operating room, the orderlies would, uh, they'll take that kind of bio waste uh, to the incinerator and uh, incinerate it. Okay. All right. I think that's, that answers the question I've had. Th thanks, John. And I, I, I know it seems quite odd, but, but thank <laughs> <Not> you. question. <laughs> Are you starting a collection, Jacobus? <laughs> no, it's just something that, that uh, I read in the paper and I was wondering. I'll tell you more. Maybe this weekend over a beer. That sounds nice. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, maybe looking at uh, what happens into our neighborhood to make sure if there isn't any potential danger before I go see him. Okay. Your neighborhood I mean, looks exactly the way it always does. Okay. And clean and lovely. Um, all right, so it's almost on the dot 515 when, uh, has everybody returned home? All right, so you're all home. Um, I, I've well, uh, sent Marta off on some errand because I'm a little embarrassed by how gruesome this has all gotten. And I'm watching from the front room through the window with the lights out behind me. What time? What time was Eugene planning on going over to I assume Brightman Corbett? gets home, right? Yeah. When Corby gets home. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. So Mr. Corbett pulls up at uh, 5.30. He parks his car in the carport. And he gets out. He's nicely dressed, as he always is. Um, and uh, Eugene, are you waiting for him there? Or are you in your yard and you wave at him? What do you do? I'm getting, I'm going and getting out of my house by the time he comes, so that it feels okay. a bit more natural, like getting something at my side. I'm acting like I'm getting something from my house, maybe a piece of wood. Okay, that should be found, or something of that idea. And so you want to make sure that he sees you, yeah, and you see him. All right, so he's getting out of his car, and he's uh, you know turning around and. He sees you over there and gives you a. And he's about to turn and go into his house. What do you want to do? Do you want to let uh, him or do you want to go? I'm going to call for him, not like uh, loudly, but, you know, politely. Oh, Eugene, uh, what can I do for you? Well, I've, uh, well, hello, I think about, um, 
your proposition of uh, visiting your greenhouse. Oh. And uh, since I had some, uh, a bit of, uh, how to explain this? This organization, uh, I think it was a bit a uh, good thing to, to do for a change. You do mostly coffins, don't you? Do you ever do any, uh, like, fine art sculpting? I mean, if I have the plans, I can do fine art, fine art in general. You know, my fruit bar, my fruit basket. I mean, this uh, this can be done in like uh, I don't know, maybe forty minutes. Uh, oh, well, that's, the there, that's really fast. But uh, well, I'll, I'll show you something that I'm I'm talking about. Um, um, do, do you want to do that now? Uh, Give me about give me about uh, fifteen minutes so that I can clean okay. up and change my clothes and uh, okay. just you know meet me in the backyard but, and patiently waiting. Right. In the meantime, so goes, I'm I'm with my telescope. So he goes into his front door and uh, you see the lights come on upstairs and uh, he's probably changing his clothes. Yeah, as long as he doesn't go down, it's okay. Um, he comes out. He's he's not dressed the way that he would dress on Saturday, which is you know his bib overalls and you know gardening stuff. But he's uh, he's dressed more casually, and he says, "You know, come on, I'll show you." And he pulls out his key ring, and. Uh, he undoes the, uh, there's a, it's a padlock. He undoes the padlock, moves it over to the side. And he opens it up and uh, he, there's a light switch. So he flips on the light. It's not really dark yet. It's, it's still it's summer, so it's bright outside, but it, it can be a little shady inside there. So it's not, flips, uh, what, I get, what I'm guessing, it's, it's not that uh, very bright uh, light or anything like this. It's not, it's more of something to see, to, to see where you're going. It's just to add um, to the light that's in there because the sun's at an angle mm -hmm. in the sky so that the, the greenhouse isn't brightly lit. But it is, it is bright by comparison. Uh, it's also very hot. Um, you step in there and the temperature's probably in the the high 80s and the humidity is very high. So yeah, tropical. Your clothes uh, immediately sort of suck onto your uh, onto your skin. It's uh, the humidity. Come, uh, come inside. I want to close the door. Uh, I try to keep the humidity between you know. Yeah, for the plants, of course, 60 and 70 percent. So as you step inside, you look around, and there are exotic plants everywhere. Um, he starts to show you some of them. He has a lot of orchids and he has um, plants that he says are uh, insectivorous. Uh, they eat bugs. Um, I'm definitely going to do is the smelling things because, you know. Yeah, um, and he says uh, some everywhere. of the orchids, some of the orchids have very strong perfumes and some of them don't. And um, a lot of the, uh, the pitcher plants uh, that are from, uh, Madagascar and Borneo, they have uh, liquid inside that the uh, insects fall into. And uh, the, there's, he explains, there's, there's nectar around here and the insect lands on this because it wants the nectar. 
but it doesn't realize that the nectar is actually a mild narcotic and the, the insect gets drunk and then just loses its balance and falls in and drowns. Um, we have a different way of dealing with flies in France, which is we take syrup, very sugary syrup, mm -hmm. and we put it in a, in, a, in a little box shaped in such a way that the, the, the fly then just gets the in. flies can get in. Yeah, um, baited by the, the sugar. And then uh, she can she can get out because he, she's stuck and you can't find the hole. There's there's a number of these yeah. plants that are actually exactly they do that. Uh, this one here, you can see it actually has little windows all over the top of it, so that when the insect gets inside, it it sees the windows and it can't find its way out. Um, they're fascinating plants. These orchids. He talks all about the orchids and he says I have a number of different exotic things. These plants over here that have the orange and blue leaves. They're, they're from the Himalayas. They're beautiful plants. This is just a hobby. It's something to sort of occupy my mind. Um, but I, I mentioned a statue. Let me show you this. And he walks you towards the back of the greenhouse, the far end of the greenhouse. And there is a large uh, barrel, like an old okay. whiskey barrel, uh, cut in half. And it has this, this vine uh, uh, that's quite thick at the base, but it, it goes up and it goes into the rafters of the greenhouse and it spreads out. And it's got these beautiful blue, purplish blue flowers that are large, maybe about like this. They're trumpet shaped. Um, they're, they're, you can sort of smell the fragrance. There's a fragrance coming from them. And right at the base, in front of it, uh, there is a plinth with a golden statue sitting on it. Uh, it looks like this. And he says, this is, uh, this is a statue I acquired when I was in India. Uh, it okay. is uh, uh, the god uh, Yara or Yama. Um, I forget the name Yama. Logically this should be Yara because I can see Yama from uh, from a Japanese perspective. Ah, so you know something about it then. But this statue, it looks gold, but it's actually wood. And then it's been gold leaf. But you can see the intricate details. Could you do something like that? It could take time, but it's possible. I mean, I, I will still need to uh, take a bit of photos because I won't be able to remember it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, stuff like this, uh, quite honestly, I mean, if we could uh, find uh, these sort of things sell very well at my shop, people like these exotic things. Oh, you have uh, it at your shop? Well, I don't have anything like this. I have oh. I have a few things, but, uh, and he uh, he looks around and then he starts ushering me back to the door. Um, so this is my little collection. Well, it's a little, but... Very pretty. Not yeah. little. I always come not in, I'm surprised to see what's blooming today. And, uh, and that's about it. Um, now, as he ushers you back towards the door, I'd like you to do a spot hidden. 
15, what does that make? Uh, 15, uh, it's a hard. Okay. So, as you get to the door, and he he sort of puts his arm, you know, up like this, just to sort of friendly help you out the door. Okay. You glance back at the greenhouse, um, just to get it in your mind one last time. And as you look, you realize that all of the blue flowers on that vine back there are pointed directly at you. And you're pretty sure that they were all over the place when you saw the plant to begin with. But all of those flowers are looking right in your direction as he ushers you out the door and then turns and closes the door and uh, locks, relocks the padlock. He says, so curiosity is satisfied. Uh, you should invite Horatio over. He, he scratched them yes. uh, trying curiosity to be satisfied. Um, well, I mean, is there anything else? Enjoy your evening. I will be uh, looking forward to to do your uh, your sculpture, though it's not well, really in my, my usual style, it. so it's, it's it will take time. I could certainly pay you quite a quite a commission to do something like that. Um, there's I mean, an endless endless variety of uh, statuary that you can find in the Orient. All right, so anything else before you depart? Not really. I'm going to simply... So what the rest of you saw, if you were observing from here with your spyglasses, is you saw them go in and then come out. And uh, nothing seems to have happened. Assuming Eugène doesn't run down the street tearing his clothes off within the next 20 <laughs> minutes, we'll be okay. Correct. Well, for my place, I couldn't see anything. So curiosity is killing me. Now, you um, guys do have telephones. Yeah. Oops, you're muted. Then within a few minutes of them emerging from the greenhouse, the phone call round will begin. Does Corbett follow Eugene into the house? Or do they go, does Eugene leave Eugene from Eugene. the side? Yeah. He just walks around the side. And what, what does Corbett uh, I get do? back to my home. Corbett <laughs> um, no. just sort of dusts himself off and, and goes back into the house. Uh, I'll call uh, Jacobus first. Uh, they, they went in, they came out. Looks all right. Eugene didn't look um, particularly distressed. Good to, well, I guess good to hear. Are your yeah. invitations still open to come around for drinks or? 
Yeah, I'll uh, I'll call uh, I'll call the gender ratio as well. Right. Let me let me put on my my smoking jacket. I'll come around. All right, good. Given oh, yeah. the era, I'll mix up a pitcher of martini. Horatio, and... are you calling anyone? <laughs> You're the one that observed. Um, doesn't Peter phone me? So you could call me as well. Yeah. Of course, Peter couldn't actually see. Peter's got the house between him and the greenhouse. Yeah. So, but once Eugene... He, he probably called you. I could probably see Eugene go across yeah, you could into see his Eugene. house. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. So are you I'm all getting together over. back at Peter's then? For drinks? If they come yeah. for me, I'm going to go at, the, at their homes, of course. Okay. I'm, I'm actually... going to bring some some of my pirate memorabilia along with me to Peter's house. Um, an old flintlock pistol and a cutlass. I'll wrap them up so it's not obvious. And So you've got a long package and a smaller package. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, um, and, all right, so you all show up at Peter's house uh, after a little while. I've been thinking about this damn basket. Part of me wants to just put a card in it that says, thanks, as always, the jackal, and leave it on his front stoop. But I think that shows how um, erratic our thinking has become since all of this has gotten so out of hand. What, uh, and of course, we're going to ask Eugène for the description of the inside of the greenhouse. Any high points? Well, at first, I was simply thinking that there was a lot of, you know, the kind of exotic plants that feed on flies. I didn't really try to ask him why. And how, especially, the flies could get inside of it, potentially the larvas, or because of the potential meat. I don't know. I don't know what he uses. Everything was good and all. And at the time I was getting out of it, there was um, a very big plant in the middle of, uh, of his warehouse with big purple flowers well something really really exotic but at first glance nothing dangerous but they were it was a normal plant and when i got out of his of his of his greenhouse i got the feeling and the, the impression that those flowers were all of a sudden looking at me Gentlemen, we've we've started losing our minds. Um, Take it, whatever you want, however you want. That's how I felt. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm just saying that today's been. Well, I'm, I'm, sh I, I've heard of some uh, plants 
being attracted to 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 uh to light maybe they were well, if that would was, be the case that wouldn't have been done in the first place when i entered hmm. that would have been done what of the statue uh, uh the, the name of it did you do you recall uh and yeah that there was a statue in there um yeah yara i think he wasn't sure between uh yara and yama i, I was thinking more about yara because yama sounded more japanese i'm not that sure but yeah. Hmm. It looked like it looked like some sort of exotic demon or something. More scary Indian stuff. Yeah. Well, incidentally, I brought brought these along just in case we uh, decide to do something more drastic. Just protection, you know. <laughs> I mean, at this point, if you have to fight against the plant, just might as well use, use match six. Technically, it's going to be more effective. Well, I've got a, 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 a pickaxe in the shed. I mean, not a pickaxe, a, a hatchet. I suppose if a plant attacked me, I could use a hatchet. But I don't, I mean, the plants haven't attacked any of you so far. Do you think he keeps the... Why does he have a padlock on a greenhouse? Who has a padlock on a greenhouse? Well, that's what struck well, me as curious when I first noticed that. Um, well, I mean, he did... I, he, think I think there are several reasons for this, because the temperature and the humidity inside of the warehouse are very different than, in, than outside. The padlock doesn't make anyway. the door more effective. The padlock just keeps people out. You didn't ask about the pad in the basement, I guess. No, not now. The question: We, we, he has fly. Well, there were no flies in his garden because he's got toads or frogs. Plus, he has these additional meat-eating or insect-eating plants. We've not seen any place where he, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Thor's meat or anything like this? No, haven't no, seen where the, where the insects breed. I mean, would they, would they be able to get in via uh, some ventilation holes? Probably. Have I, have I seen anything like this uh, in his warehouse? Ventilation or things like this? Because I don't remember. There are vents at the top. There are vents. So the flies would Green be attracted. The, the flies would be attracted to lateral, yeah, most likely. Yeah, by the, by smells of by smells of the plants, or just like when we yeah. like we do eat in France with syrup. Um, I, I'm more curious about this statue. Uh, excuse me, gentlemen, and. Uh, I'll be back in a few minutes, and I, I, I go back home. 
and look up Yara and Yama in my books. Possibly uh, might find something. Okay. So um, go ahead and do a uh, library, though, I guess. Uh, sorry, I missed that. Do a library roll. I'm going to spend some luck to make that a regular. Okay. Um, as you're looking through it, you're looking through Hindu deities. Uh, and it's Yama, god of death. Okay. Any, um, any peculiarities about this deity? Um, hmm. Not particularly. <laughs> if 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 you had the internet back then, you could look it up on the internet. Yeah. Uh, there, there's always positive and negative things about death. Death is just the doorway any, of rebirth. Any connection to plants? Not not at all. That you can find. Okay, I'll bring the book with me and back back to, to Peter's. All right. Richard, does this thing still work? And I'll lift up the pistol and just point it indiscriminately. Um please, please be careful. It's 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 quite old. Um I've kept it um clean and um it, it, I see no reason why it shouldn't work. Uh you need to gunpowder and uh and a musket ball, but um, and a wad of cotton or something. Yes, it's all it's all there in the um. In Don't the those things blow up half the time that someone tries to fire them? That's an alarming thing. <laughs> the well, it's the, it's the only weapon I have apart from the the cutlass. Uh, but look, oh, you look. Mean, you mean the flintlocks? Uh, it depends on how they are. I'm not gonna say preserved, but it, it's a pirate flintlock. It's probably a hundred years old, so yeah, it probably will explode. There'd be a good uh, chance. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um, but look, I, I'll show you. I'll show you the book. Uh, is this? Is there a picture? Um, I can show you the same picture again. Uh, so it matches does this is this the statue that you saw in the in the greenhouse it's a variation of it yes very unfriendly looking god of death kind of gleeful and fanged now the other thing that i'm concerned about is that if we were to say anything to corbett about the vegetable basket i mean that means that we were in the apartment which is yeah, giving him the fact that we know about uh, the jackal. Yeah, well, and also the fact that we fled the scene of an accidental death. Oh, that reminds me, Fleeting. Um, I spoke to my friend John at the hospital. He said that um, they, they don't have specific body parts going missing, but that um, the amp amp amputations do happen as we know at the hospital and the um, waste from these procedures are then incinerated. 
And it's um, normally one of the orderlies that are responsible for disposing of the excess body parts. So you suspect that Tomaszewski was providing limbs? I think if you, if you, if you asked earlier about a connection, that could be our connection. Oh, well, what that if? Could ex- no, so you carry on, Russia. Well, that, that could explain it all. Perhaps Corbett just um, as a, a exchanged some some of his vegetables for some um, stolen body parts to feed his plants. Yes, and we're human, and we're just worrying about nothing. Yeah, human fertilizer. I'm not sure it's a good idea to. You know, it's not like he could deliver him anything right now. Well, if you wanted to feed, if you wanted to feed his plants meat, it wouldn't need to be humans. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, but probably don't know, even, insects and humans probably don't even have very similar nutritional profiles. I mean, there is there is also pigeons. Those things are everywhere and can attract flies very easily. I suppose so. I I I just I I, I just hope hopeful thinking. I'm afraid. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I'm at a loss. Hey, st- stuff happens. It's okay. What what if if we take your your Sort of take the root of your, your your suggestion, Peter, and leave the basket on his on your porch, but with a just a letter of thanks that we sign R Z or R T. Not signed, simply. No, it it should be it should be. I don't think we should say the jackal, say, but maybe just. Uh, Domazinski's um, initials. Uh, are we ho- are we ho- and then we watch his reaction. And I mean, if if this was his main supply of, oh, goodness, foodstuffs, um, he would have to make another plan, wouldn't he? And we can observe what, what happens. We could leave the basket and a note that says... meet me at the statue in the park at eight o'clock it's urgent signed rt we could do that if he just takes the basket and we ask him about who's art i just can't formulate something useful that isn't well i I presume we're trying to um provoke a uh, a reaction, from a reaction from, from Bernard. Yes. Yes. Something that shows that he knows the jackal and perhaps even what the jackal is up to. Hmm. Thing is, we don't know how he signs. He might just sign as a V or something like that. So a lot of things can go wrong, even by something that's well faked. Right. Uh, I'm gonna. Check the evening paper. I assume that Arkham in the 20s has two daily papers and see whether there's any news of the death. All right. Um, do a luck roll. Ah, you don't need a luck roll. Um, it's probably not made it to the papers yet. So the, the death will be in the papers in the morning, along with the fact that, that he's the jack- he was the probable jackal, given... 
the alarming evidence inside his apartment. Uh, and there'll be a bit of a mystery about why his door was broken open too. Which means yeah, if then we want leaving, to... Go ahead. Leaving the basket then would not make a lot of sense. Especially if the news breaks that... Well, we'd have to do it tonight if we wanted it to be a surprise. Because in the morning he will probably see that the jackal has been found dead. Perhaps we should just follow him the next time he goes on his... Uh drive wait until sunday good heavens what's the worst that could happen what day is it today thursday thursday Well, apart from just, I mean, do what? Wait, going to him and then. Is there any other investigation you want to do? So we're pretty familiar with Corbett's daily habits. He always he's very punctual and very consistent. That is correct. His weekday evenings, he comes home five fifteen to five thirty prepares a solitary dinner, maybe does a little puttering, retires. We see the last light go off at 8, 9.35. 10 o'clock, we'll say. 10 o'clock. And that's been more or less constant for years. For years. Do we ever see the basement lights come on? Occasionally. You can't, you, uh, some, of the, uh, some of you can see them, some of you can't. It's, uh, yeah, I believe it's the side of the house Eugène lives on is the one that has the equipment in it. But there's also shrubbery and stuff between the buildings, so. But uh, yes, you I mean, you don't, I mean, people go into their basements, so you, it's, you've never thought about it before, but sure. You're right. Well, we either wait till Sunday and follow him, or we wait till he goes to work and gain access to his house. Um, what else could the, what else is there we can do? Unless well, we just notify the police and let them deal with it. I don't think the police will act. I mean, according to the detective, main suspect in Faye's death, at least for now, is his wife. They won't look into Corbett. I mean, if we are finding it hard to to build a case, then it would be much more far-fetched to, to involve, get the police involved. Well, we shouldn't rule out um, Survey's wife, should we? No, that's, that's, well, that's, that's true. But I mean, all the other things are just, I mean, in my mind, I'm, I'm just adding up against Mr. Corbett. Yes, I don't think the fact that if, I think that if 
uh, Tom Love was going to poison survey, she probably wouldn't have done it while Mr. Corbett was over for a drink. Perhaps. And there is no uh, healthy reason for Bernard to be friends with the jackal. So we are... The only reason that any of this makes any sense is because several things are connected. I think we should... Finish this round of drinks, say our prayers, go to bed, let Corbett leave for work in the morning, and then all go and look in the cellar together through the window. And if there is an animal down there, they, you know, we'll take flashlights. Maybe we can actually see what it is. If it turns out he's breeding puppies, we can and that's remind, that. remind we'll, ourselves we'll to mind our own business. Moment, yes. <laughs> How does that sound? I think that's so far the most sensible plan. I'm going to try something. I'm going to um, go to sleep later today because I'm going to modify the um, raccoon trap to hide a fly trap in it with highly concentrated syrup. I'm trying stuff. I don't know if it's going to work, but that's what I have. And I will so probably finishing up, finishing up uh, tonight and, and tomorrow putting it uh, at his garden, modifying it, modifying it a little bit. But catch flies. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, hidden compartments with, uh, with for flies to have access to it with um, concentrated syrup. Okay. And I'm too nervous to go to sleep, so I'm going to be watching. Corbett's garden until I fall asleep. So I'll okay. probably end up falling asleep in my chair in my in the top room. Um with my cutlass on my lap. <laughs> All right. Um do uh Horatio pull a four sided dice. A four sided? Yeah. unreadable three three uh, 10 11 12 it's around 12 o'clock you falls okay um and the rest of you are going to bed sleeping rather nervously uh oh. eugene you eventually go to bed as well yeah later all right same deal I don't, um, obviously i don't see anything when i'm awake correct right um all right. Uh, next morning comes, and uh, uh, as usual in this kind of neighborhood, a, a boy uh, comes around on his bicycle throwing newspapers, and you all get your morning new newspaper. And it's uh, it's on the front page of the newspaper. Uh, Jackal uh, found. And a uh, whole thing about um, Tomaszowski, uh, his apartment. He, he uh, jumped from a fifth story window. Uh, he was completely high on drugs. Um, his apartment was a mess, and there was a, a lot of evidence to show that he was, in fact, the jackal. Uh, and it goes on and on explaining that. Um, 
Are any of you going to get ready for work or have you all called in sick? Called in, I called in sick. Um, was there any mention of the uh, satanic? Uh, the, the police don't say everything, but yes, it appears that the man was some sort of devil worshiper and that he was consuming the body parts. It's quite sensational, quite horrific. Um, although it's toned down a bit for the ladies who read the newspaper. So, uh, but all the details are there. Uh, Is no there a mention of the fact that the, his door was broken? It doesn't say. It just says uh, there was a disturbance and he jumped in the window. And they just think that he did it. There's no descriptions of any witnesses nearby. <laughs> um, there was, there's a woman who called, the, the name of the woman who called the newspaper, the, the ambulance is mentioned. But, uh, and other, there's probably a few other things about people that lived in the building said that the, the boy was unusual and that he made noise and um, they could hear him occasionally chanting at night and uh, doing strange things that he was antisocial and anti-religious and uh, a devil worshiper. I knew it, they would all say. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. Epic content before the hours. Yay! Following, following your usual morning routine, um, you guys are having your breakfast. And you'll be getting ready. You would be getting ready to go to work. And it's about, oh... 20 minutes or so before you would normally go to work. And um, uh, you guys are probably all curious. So you guys are keeping your eyes open. Um, those of you who can see Corbett's uh, and Peter across the street, uh, you see Mr. Corbett come out his front door. He's, he's dressed in his usual business suit. Uh, but he doesn't go to his car. He's walking straight across the street to Peter's house. Uh huh. <clears throat> and uh, there's a knock on your door, Peter. So I, after I scamper door. away from the front window, right? Uh, so it's a knock on your front door. Okay, Five, two, three. Okay, I'm going to um, have the paper under my arm when I answer the door. Okay. Um. All right, so you, you open up the door, and uh, Mr. Corbett's standing there, and he says, Hi, uh, Peter. Um, I, uh, I'm sorry to bother you so early in the morning. I need to ask a favor of you. Of course. Um, there's been a shipment uh, that I've got from the Orient that is delayed, and I'm going to have to drive to New York uh, to take care of the problem. Um, this morning. It's kind of lost notice. I should be back this evening, but uh, it's a four and a half hour drive. Um, what a hassle. Summer um, weekend too. The traffic might be terrible. Indeed. Um, in any case, if I'm not back, I'll be back in the morning. Um, okay. If you would take care of my place and collect any mail that they, they dropped by today and uh, put it in my front room. Certainly. All right, I'm, I'm sorry, if, as long as it's no trouble. Well, it's truly not any trouble at all. The office is quite light right now, and uh, 
yeah, I'm happy to do it. Did you uh, did you see this uh, article about the the so-called jackal? Um, that's the guy that you mentioned. Uh... Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I I guess you know that the residents in that area can feel safer about their pets. But what do you suppose goes on in the mind of somebody like that who mutilates and eats strange animal parts and so no, on? No, it's, it's very strange. If uh, you don't mind, I'm going to have to go. Um, oh, of course, you've got a long drive. I'm sorry. Uh, you have a nice day. Thanks. And he definitely looks upset about something and... Uh, He's going to, he goes immediately back across to his car and uh, hops in his car and drives away. He leaves you the key, by the way. All right. I thought I was going to be going to the office late, but uh, maybe I'll be taking the Friday off, summer weekend, and I'll call the office and then I'll call, uh, I'll call Horatio first this time. Okay. Before we do that, would you like to take a five minute break? Sure. All right, let's take a five-minute break. Uh, so you said that when Corbett left my uh, front door, he went straight to his car? Correct. Briefcase in hand, dressed for work? Correct. And then he drove away? Yes. I'm willing to bet that if I walk out onto my front walk, as soon as he's out of sight, that I will see several neighbors appear as well spontaneously. Yes. Indeed, you do. <laughs> uh, well, um, friends, uh, we should give him 20 minutes to make sure he didn't forget something and come back right away. But uh, Bernard gave me the key. Um, he's going to be gone until late this evening or tomorrow. Uh, and we can put this matter behind us by determining that the most uh, peculiar thing about Bernard Corbett is that he has insect-eating plants. I'm <coughs> going to finish my coffee and wait until 9.20. Okay. If you guys care to join me. Yes. Yeah, first thing okay. I'm going to do with before um, uh, joining you is Telling Maria to close temporarily the shop for inventory purposes. All right. For one day, because it's generally one day anyway. So you all take care of your businesses to make sure that you've got some time. Uh, 9.20 comes and goes. and uh, No, no Bernard time. Corbett returning. Correct. All right. I'm going to uh, bring my cutlass. Oh, that's an interesting idea. I'm going to bring a flashlight, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I need to bear arms. Flashlight Eugene's sounds bringing like a chef knife. <laughs> His carving instruments. Now, <laughs> this is you know again assuming that we find out that the most peculiar thing about Bernard Corbett is that he has insectivorous plants. Let's try not to knock anything over or rub our hands on all of his objects, all right? I'm the one he gave the key to, uh, and it's embarrassing enough that we're snooping around his house. And then unlock and enter. 
All right. Unlock the door. You enter. The house always has kind of a pleasant smell. Um, there is a vase of flowers on his kitchen table. Uh, he enjoys the flowers as much as anybody else does. Um, you look around his very neat, very clean house. Uh, you see the painting that you saw on the wall. You see the, uh, the book on the, uh, the book stand. You see the curio cabinet, which you never really got a good look inside. Um, you see the door to the kitchen. You see the stairs going up and the, uh, the basement door uh, is attached, you know, it's the under the stairs sort of thing. Probably by the kitchen door. Um, I'm going to have a look at the curios first. Okay. You go over to the curio cabinet and there are a number of odd little objects. They all seem to be symbolic. Some of them uh, are uh, weird looking objects of uh, look like some sort of ceremonial Hindu uh, meaning. Uh, they're all on display. The one thing, though, that stands out is a knife. It looks like this. That's a ghastly-looking implement right there. Ganesh. I think that's... Uh, Ga Ganesh. Vajra? Ganesh. Ganesh. Yeah, that's Ele a Vajra. Does the elephant god usually have an axe? Mm. It's so more it's... of a it's more of a point than an axe. More of a concentrated point than an axe. That I know about the Vajra. Well, and is this sort of thing used for sacrifice? I mean, it doesn't look like much use as a weapon or a it doesn't tool. look particularly sharp. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's a letter opener. Yes, he does. Uh, the Ganesh I have has got an axe. It looks like an axe. Hmm. Everybody do listen. Yeah. Listen. I don't like that. Nope. 100. Uh, oh. 26. 26. What do I have in my character sheet? Listen. What did you get, Peter? 92. Pass. <laughs> I pass. Not a hard deal. What did you get, Eugene? Uh, I pass, not a hard. Okay, just, just a regular normal. pass? Regular pass. All right. You guys are, are looking at the curious stuff. You're probably looking at the painting and the, the text again. Uh, Eugene, you suddenly hear a thump. Uh, but the thump comes from upstairs. And then... I'm going to make when, a sign. Yeah, go on. When Eugene suddenly stops and looks up, um, the rest of you also hear something, it sounds like a thump, 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 thump. And you can tell that it's moving across the ceiling or upstairs. There's somebody upstairs. And you saying thumping and it's moving, it doesn't sound like a soccer ball fell off the bed and went thump, 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 thump. It sounds like steps. Well, I don't know. It's, it's, it sounds odd. It doesn't sound like 
creak, creak, like somebody's walking. And it doesn't sound like a soccer ball, bounce, 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 bounce. It sounds more like bounce, 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 bounce. It doesn't seem to be lessening. I mean, it it's, was four distinct thump, 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 thump at regular intervals. And then it goes silent. And it was definitely something hitting the floor. There shouldn't be anyone here. No. We have no, there is no sane reason for anyone to be upstairs. And yet that didn't sound inanimate, that sounded alive. Um, the back door, was it open or closed? closed. We didn't have a look in the, so no one broke in. Could it be someone that broke in? A crazy coincidence. Have you seen any window or door broke or open or anything? Well, it is July on the in the Northeast U.S., so probably there are screens and open windows all over the place, which you know do not make sneaking in very hard. But again, we've all been looking at the house, and this neighborhood doesn't have a lot of prowlers. You hear it again, thump, thump, thump. Then it stops, and then you hear, and a door closes. Does that anything? Does that feel to you like a normal animal? Are there any canes or things standing around that one could use as an impromptu weapon? Um, do a luck roll. I'm de-sheathing the sword. Yeah, maybe there's a walking stick and a holder by the front door. Guys, just take this. Um, Peter, you can do a luck roll. Uh, No, on Jacobus. Yeah, Peter, you find uh, an umbrella. Okay. An umbrella at least can keep a distance between me and something. It's pointy on the end. It's pointy on the end. All right. Uh... Up we go. Uh, right. Go upstairs. Um, this is not a very elaborate house. So you go part way up the stairs, you turn and you take another part way up the stairs uh, to, this, to the landing. At the first landing, I'm going to call up because again, we are in somebody else's house, even though we don't understand who should, who's here. So I'm just going to stop and say, hello, anyone home? Um, the sound of silence is deafening when you do that. All right, I'm scared. Let's keep going. All right. Get to the stop and there's a, there's a landing. You have to, you have to make a turn. And before you make the turn, there's a door on your right and your left. And then once you make the turn, there are three, three doors, two on one side, one on the other, that go to the end of the house. So there are five, five possible rooms up here. Are they similar layouts to our houses? 
Not really. Everybody's houses are unique at this time in the world. So in relation to the sound we heard when we were downstairs from above us, could we work out which room um, the, the bounce I'm going to look at the... Maybe the one the on wall. the end. I'm going to look at the walls, the, um, the handles, the door handles, and the ground to see if I see anything uh, potentially um, claw marks, um, uh, fur, uh, anything, bits of fur, anything like this. I'm trying to see anything uh, along these lines to do something instead of just guessing because if wood cracks, it can deliver sound a lot more faster than anything. So, yeah. all right, do a spot hidden for me. You change 17, so that makes for uh, that makes for a hard okay. We'll get back to that in a second. Um, You can guess, just because of normal house layouts, that some of these must be bedrooms or studies or whatever. One of them at least is going to be a bathroom. Um, because of the placement of the doors, you're guessing that the one directly to the left of the top of the stairs is the bathroom because there's not enough room for there to be a full room where that door is. Um, and there's, by the way, there's windows on either end. Uh, trying to guess where that sound would have come from, you're kind of guessing it would be the far room. Uh, Which would also likely be the master bedroom. Uh, possibly. Often those are at the end and smaller rooms precede them, but and not always. Is that the front of the house? The stairwell is toward it's the front of the house. Kind of the side. One of the sides of the house. What's the decor like on this floor? Um, it's very neat, very clean. Um, wooden banister on the the, the, the stairs. Uh, it's got a, oh, the whole house has got wooden floors, uh, but there's carpets. Uh, so there's a a long runner that's probably like a Persian carpet style runner that goes along the whole hallway. Any pictures? Um, um, yeah, here and there, there's pictures. Uh, in fact, do a, well, you don't have to do a spot hidden. I'd say probably one of them is a picture of uh, Corbett and his wife, uh, maybe a wedding picture hung on the wall. Um, the other ones are odd little things just nothing of nothing of particular a seascape and a, yeah um and there maybe is Indian. maybe a little round table at the end of the hall uh get near the wind the window with a little lamp on it or something and there aren't there's nothing surprising there there aren't uh toys on the floor or no nothing like that uh all right, fellas. So well, to the um, first door on the left. Yeah, well, let's just go down the hall, room by room. Okay. Uh, first door on the left is indeed 
a bathroom. Uh, it's very neat, very clean. Uh, in the sort of 1920s Art Deco style, uh, maybe not because it would have been previous to that. There's some uh, uh, influence of maybe Art Nouveau because uh, it was probably built 20 years ago. Oh, uh, and can I? And please don't tell me it's those red and green bathrooms because no, those are just. <laughs> it's not not quite that bad. Um, but for that spot hidden, Eugene, as you're looking, you find in the sink of the bathroom a single strand of black hair, and it's about that long. straight hair. I'm going to show it to the others and just not say a thing. Well, he's got, he must have a, a, a Chinese concubine. That's the only, Mr. Corbett's hair is obviously not that long and right. it's, it's it, brown and it's brown. Yeah. This seems human. Probably wouldn't know. All right, are next there, door. Are there yeah. any toiletries? Sure, stuff is that you buy at the five and done. For a is, is the bathroom for one? Yeah, it's definitely a masculine bathroom. This, we don't see that two people are using it. Correct. There's, There's one tooth. There's one, one toothbrush. toothbrush. One toothbrush. Next room. Uh, next room. Okay. And so the next room actually. Again, where you try are, to leave everything as you found it. I guess not the hair, but so the next room from where you are is directly on the the, the right hand side. Opposite okay. side of the stair, right. And then the other rooms go down the, the little Okay, I, I gingerly open All right. that door. Uh this door, when you open it, is surprisingly not quite as clean. Uh, there is dust. And when you open it, you realize that this is a nursery. But it's a nursery that hasn't been touched or entered for a long, long time. 12 years, I think. All right, well, we don't want to leave footprints in the dust. Let's uh, let it be. I agree. It's, yeah. it's empty. I mean, there's no. Yeah, there's no nothing in, there. in it. There's no evidence that anybody's even opened the door. Okay, I'll, I'll just shut it. The next then, door. Right. Uh, the next door, as you open it, uh, you realize that it is a makeshift study. It's it's a room that Mr. Corbett must use um, to for whatever for reading. Or for whatever there is, um, there is a desk, and the desk has uh, a shelving right above the desk. Uh, there are a number of books and things along there. Um, there are a number of uh, what you call them, uh, almost like ledger-like looking books uh, that have probably been uh, that he he must keep records or, or something in. <coughs> um, there's uh, there's some 
evidence, obviously, that he spends some time in here. There's a comfortable looking chair. Uh, what would you guys like to do? Well, I'm sure he keeps uh, most of his books for his business at the business. So I'm curious about what these ledgers are on the desk. So All right. mm -hmm. um, you open up one of the ledgers and there is a great deal of scientific notation, um, formulas, uh, mathematical looking sort of things, chemical looking things. Uh, Jacobus, you can do a, uh, do you have chemistry? You can do pharmacy yeah. if you don't have chemistry. Yeah, I've got chemistry. Are there any familiar notes there? Oh, that the is that a 10. That is, a, um, um, is it an extreme? Let's see. Yes, it's an extreme by ah, Right. Well, these look like uh, organic chemistry. Um, uh, when you're looking at it, there's a lot of very interesting stuff here about uh, chemical cycles uh, that you find in animals and you find in humans, and um, a lot of a lot of handwritten notation, a lot of stuff. Um, some of this could be about fertilizer, um, but a lot of it doesn't look like it has anything to do with fertilizer. It looks like the kind of stuff that a medical uh, practitioner or a surgeon would, uh, would be writing out. Um, there's odd liquid chemicals. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit baffling, but it's definitely not the kind of thing that you would expect to see in a importer's uh, office. Um, you also notice that there are quite a few uh, medical books, um, human anatomy, uh, probably it's probably got Gray's anatomy, uh, probably. Um, a lot of scholarly journals. He's got a stack of uh, magazines on uh, medical procedures, modern medical procedures. And Gentlemen, there's definitely something more going on here than just Mr. Gorbert writing variants of fertilizer. I you mean, also uh, notice. I'm scared to, to think what we'll find in the basement. You also notice, Peter, that there are a series of identical looking uh, texts. Um, at first glance, you thought they were uh, encyclopedia. They're not quite that thick. They're thinner than encyclopedias, but they are dated 1919, 1920, 1921, 1922, etc. They actually, they go all the way back. Let's see. They go back to uh, 1909. One year for each of them. Which is and the year his father died. You realize that they are, in fact, journals. Um, well, uh, everybody quiet for a minute. I want to hear, listen to see if there's any more motion. We'll listen to all. Can we try to? Sure, you can all do it. I really think that you should call this Mr. Corbett version failed roll. I just triple zeroed that listen roll. I pause. Triple zero. 
And he just hit a triple zero too. So it's not yeah. a pass. So in this case, Jacobus, uh, did anybody else pass the list? Did, did no one pass? Because I can see. No, uh, Jacobus did. I, I passed, barely. Uh, uh, you guys suddenly notice Jacobus start, and uh, he turns towards the wall, which would be the next room. Uh, you guys are inside this room, but it would be in the next room. Uh, and as soon as you guys all turn your attention towards that wall, you once again hear a couple of thumps coming definitely from that room. And then uh, another odd sort of squeak. Uh, it's the squeak. It's the weird metallic, um, almost musical sound of a spring going like that. Um, as if a, as if a, a, kind of like the sound of a screen door sometimes makes when you open it and it slams itself shut. You don't hear a slam, uh, but you hear that noise. You hear a squeak. You hear a thump, 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 which gets quieter, and then you hear a slam, bang, and you now think you can hear something in the attic. Oh, that's oh. it was that pull down ladder thing. That's definitely um, the sound that it makes. Gentlemen, I'm going to go fetch my gun. Why does it always has to be in the attic? Where's oh, your gun, right. Jacobus? In his home, I assume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I've, I've got old Lamidford that I brought over with me. I mean, it's, yeah, I, again, the hair suggests to me that he's secretly keeping a Chinese maid, but. Uh, or Indian. Or Indian. Indian, of course, Indian. Um, uh, I think we should uh, stay here and look around while we wait for Jacobus to come back, if you're both in agreement, or and Jean. And I'd like to take out the journal for um, 1911. Well, uh, and before we stop if, you there, um, mm -hmm. what we'll do is when we do the journals, well, all you guys can all take turns, but we'll go through the journals in, in order. Um, oh, okay. So let's say that you guys wait. Jacobus goes to get his gun. Um, you guys continue to hear something moving around in the attic. And and it doesn't sound like a regular cadence of human pace. Right. It sounds like do a do an idea. Because the thing is that anything that isn't, I mean, could be, yeah. Could it be a like a a frog? A um, big frog. Um, um, hopping. Uh, well, that's the best. It's the best idea I can think of since I rolled a ninety. Okay, critical but success. Because you said that <clears throat> out loud to all the others, it sounds like a hop. Right, a except hop. a frog can't pull down a staircase that's in in the ceiling. Maybe it's somebody. It would be a big hop. Missing limbs. 
Like how big it it would be with a train idea? Uh, it's impossible to say. It's not a small thump, but it's it's not a different buildings or it's yeah. You'd have to know a place intimately to know what somebody upstairs sounds like. Like a child. A frog as big as a child. By now, Jacobus comes back. All right. So I'd like to look at the journals before we leave the room. All right. So there's a lot of info here. So what we can do is we can take turns with the journals. Um, as you go along, um, you guys can decide where you want to, to break. Uh, who would like to begin? Peter? Yeah, I'll start. Okay. Volume 1, Journal 1909. September 10th. Another embarrassing memory elapsed today. This journal should help me deal with the problem. September 13th. I've had Mother sign the last of the legal papers that transfer ownership of Corporate Importers of America over to me. She seems to be doing fairly well in the new nursing home, and I hope they can give her the treatment and attention she needs. I am afraid, however, that her condition may continue to decline. The death of Father seems to have unhinged her mind. If there was a way I could include her, if I could explain his sacrifice and my being chosen, but she would never understand the power of Lord Ramasekva. If only she had been there and experienced those moments on the mountain when he appeared in all his terrible magnificence, how he spoke with father and me and left his mark upon my heart and soul. Without seeing, without knowing, she could never understand how my Lord took father and the two became one. I saw it with my own eyes. I saw it how before devouring him, Rama Sekva removed my father's head and drank down his soul. And now they are one. Glorious. October 29th. Met a charming young woman at St. Paul's Ice Cream Social. Her name is Lynn Myers. She's beautiful and charming. She hails from Oklahoma and is here taking care of an elderly relative. I have arranged to take her to the picnic next week. I'm sure my Lord would approve of her. December 12th, spent 30 hours in ceremony. The Soma allowed me to commune with Lord Ramasekva. He spoke to me of a great plan, how he would raise all of mankind up to a new plane of existence. But to accomplish this, he must create a bridge to this world and needs my help. I was reluctant, but he filled my heart with love and warmth, so I know he spoke truly, and so I have agreed. My studies have shown that Ramasekva is an obscure Asura, an East Indian demigod or titan. The Asura are said to be older gods, the ones who ruled before the coming of Shiva. Certain things spoken of in Wen's book led me to believe there may be a link to another obscure being called Yog Sothoth. I was going to check the Miskatonic University Library to see if I could find other references, but when I mentioned it to the head librarian, he was startled by my words. And in any case, he was of no help. January 10th. I found myself wanting to make Lynn my wife, and I've sealed the thought by proposing to her. 
She accepted and we have set the date of marriage for March 9th of this year. Amashekva assures me the time is perfect. Do you know this man is completely lost it? April 13th, yeah. he returned from our long and wonderful honeymoon. I have returned from our long and wonderful honeymoon. Lynn and I have decided to keep the family place as it's excellent for raising children. In May, all being well, Lynn will accompany me on my business trip to Kathmandu. This may be my last trip out of the country for a while. A man who plans having a family must be willing to settle down a bit. July 1st. I'd said I had to send Lynn to visit her mother while I cast the ceremony. I don't believe she is ready to understand yet. Mamashekva has told me he wants an incarnation with mankind as in the days of old. Lynn will be his chosen vessel. My goodness. Mamashekva has to take my form and place for a single night when the stars are right soon. He has to take my form and place. Ugh. August 14th, I rose early to catch the sunrise and cast the ritual as he instructed me before my beloved wife awakened from her slumber. Mashekva appeared and took my form. I waited in the basement while he finished Lynn for several hours. I visited Lynn for several hours. She seemed to be to suspect nothing. 3, 1911. February 19th. I have told Lynn to remain in bed throughout the day as she has taken ill from her pregnancy. I've hired a nurse to take care of her while I'm at work. April 23rd. Lynn has been troubled by nightmares this past week. She remained sleeping for many hours. This morning, I took the opportunity to contact Ramasekva. When the time comes, I am to deliver the child myself at home. My master has directed me to raise this child as if it were my own. It will be the savior of the world and lead us all to my Lord. May the 6th, horror of horrors. My life is in ashes. Poor Lynn went into labor today, and in the course of giving birth, she expired, despite all I did to try and save her. She gave birth to twins. The more human one was stillborn. Nurse Dunlap blundered into the room at the wrong moment, and when she saw the second child, she lost her mind and became hysterical, then fainted. In trying to take care of the screaming nurse, I must have neglected Lynn at a critical moment. My lovely wife is dead, and I blame only myself. My firstborn, a boy, is also dead, and I have turned both bodies over to the funeral home. The child of Ramasekva I have concealed in the basement. The thing is limbless and appears to have trouble breathing. I don't think it would live for very long. May the 8th. The funeral for Lynn and, her, and the child was held. I was surprised how many people came. It only reminded me how much she was loved. Her parents were heartbroken and felt pity for me. I later consoled them and promised to stay in touch. Eventually, everyone left and I sat alone, missing the sound of her in the house. After that, I couldn't stop crying. May 13th. The ceremony of Ramasekva brought him forth to explain the child. He said the child would live in a state of stasis for 10 years and that I am to spend those years in preparation, learning new skills my Lord will teach me. When the time comes, I am to equip the child for life on earth. It will be given organs, limbs and lungs. 
but for now there is time. I will dust off my old medical books. Uh, December 14th, I have found someone to help me, a man from the Randolph to, Mar to Marcelski. He works at the local, at the local hospital and assures me that he can supply with the press necessary for the advanced experiment I need to conduct over the next few years. This is a madman. He's a troubled young man, but I need his help. I have agreed to supply him with a small amount of the drugs he desires, and he, in return, will try to fill my request. Perhaps through my example and upright behavior, he will find a way to better himself. For now, he seems particularly irreligious and eager, but with time that may, may change. That's a problem. Next week, I will make my, my first trip to the dump and see what my confederate has been able to find for me. The new experiment should prove a challenge, but I have every confidence I, I can learn, especially with my lord. What the fuck is, have we gotten into? Also, let's note that uh, journal volumes 4 through 10 have nothing in particular, just that's the interim between uh, Thanks. Journal Volume 13, 1921, May 14th. The child grows larger and the time has come. I took the Soma and entered into communion with Ramasekva. He told me that winter, that when winter has arrived, that I am to search out fresh human limbs and organs to be added to the creature. The time for experimenting with animal parts is now over. As the thing is still a child, I will use only the limbs and organs of children. My experiments show that the more youthful parts adapt much better than older ones. Any parts that are unusable, I am directed to feed to the child. Ramasekpa wants it to develop a taste for such things, and says that it will soon grow to its purpose. A bright new day will dawn, and the world will be cleansed of all corruption, no more pain or suffering no more conflicts, a world where no child will die in the womb and love will reign forever. Volume 14, 1922. Uh, this volume seems to only contain more vague references and cannot be easily understood. There's a mention of a woman named Lucy and how delightful she is, but there are no romantic references or details about her relationship. And we move on to 1923, March 13th. Tomaszewski says that I'm asking too much of him and claims that he is having difficulty supplying me with parts. I have boosted the strength of the drug that I give the man, hoping that it will entice him to do more or be more cooperative. I fear, however, that the drug simply exacerbates his derangement and I do not think he's ready for Soma. He will lose his mind. I must admit to feeling guilty, aiding and abetting his false beliefs. It seems somehow wrong. However, Telling him the truth will only serve to further unhinge his mind. So for now, I will continue to pretend that I'm following. I'm a follower of his satanic master. I value the services to Mazuski renders too much to, to renders too much to risk further damage to his grasp on reality. I feel guilty too because the boy is not really a bad person. Deep down inside, he is good. Well, says the man that. 
He is angry at life for the way it has treated him. I have said it many times that I hope he finds a brighter path. One he can hope, one can hope for the best. The needs of the child increase all the time. Most of the child's organs are now in place and a few limbs have been attached. The grafts heal nicely. My years of experimenting are paying off. March 28 through May 25. These dates contain similar statements to those above. Increasing growth rate of the child, which he now calls Adami Bhagavan. The occasional lucky or unlucky amputation from some hapless farm child, which Tomaszewski leaves at the dump, and odd statements about the amusing distractions of Lucy, how she preens and gavots about. June 23rd. Barbecue at Peter Harrow's across the street. Nice food. Got upset with the news about Tomaszewski. We'll have to have a chat with him. June 24th. Apparently, Tomaszewski was questioned about the animal slains over three months ago, and he never said a goddamn thing to me about it. I'm not a man who enjoys confrontation, but I felt it necessary to remind him that our Dark Lord Satan would not be pleased and how Satan's plans would not come to fruition if he got caught. I made the threat seem quite real. He told me, told him that a horrible fate awaited him if he f fucked up, to use his own vulgar vulgarity. I reduced him nearly to tears. Odd to see such a tough little thug like him cry, but I think he got the message. I honestly didn't know he was still killing animals. I thought we'd moved past that. When I arrived home, I found a note on my door. Surveys and Eugene had constructed an innovative trap for the raccoons. I'm concerned the animals might injure themselves, but I feel obligated to indulge my neighbors. Also, they were snooping around the greenhouse. God help them if they get inside without my supervision. Oh my. July 1st. Two new parts from Tomaszewski. A large intestine and an arm. Looks like from a little girl, an amputation. Sad for the kid, I attached them with no difficulty at all. Oh my. I knew it. What a monster. You were right. July 3rd. What made me think that I should start including my neighbors back in my life? A little mishap on Sunday, which I can barely remember, seems to have attracted their attention. I don't think any of them have a clue what I'm trying to do for my family and for the whole world, and that is the way I would like to keep it. I wondered yesterday while they, why they all cornered me at Maestro's. Fortunately, when I realized what they must have seen, Peter had already suggested mushrooms, so I improvised on that, and it seemed to placate them. I thought that would be the end of it, but early this morning, Surveys pulls a bizarre stunt and had his goon break into my shop. Off I went to the police at 4am and there he was. I, fi I figured it was best to let him go and pretend it was all a misunderstanding, but I felt threatened and a shadow clouded my judgment. Oh my, 
I had to eliminate him before he ruined everything. It was a simple matter to slip him some soma, enough to fracture his mind. I didn't expect him to die. He must have seen something awful. Told the police that he had been acting oddly all week, which was corroborated by the others. I still have no clue what he was doing, but a threat is a threat, and I had no choice. I wish she had found a plausible excuse. David, why don't you take over at that point? Oh, please, David, please. <clears throat> July 4th, Independence Day. Felt very depressed. I used to do a lot of social things with Lynn, parties, holidays. My neighbors mean well when they invite me, but they don't really understand how their happiness reminds me that I too was happy once long ago. Family is so important. Had a visit from Peter. I tried to explain this to him. Then he said the oddest thing. He says that Cervais saw me drop a package, the child's arm. That must have been what was going on. I need to be more careful, but I lose track on those days. Everything seems like a blur. I could barely remember the incident. I played it off as a fungus specimen, and we hope that Peter lives, leaves it at that. I would be very sad to lose Peter, too. July 5th. Eugène popped over as soon as I got home, wanting to see my greenhouse. I found it odd. I'm wondering if Survey was spreading his nonsense around the neighborhood. I need to keep my eyes on him, make sure there is no threat to my family. I was tempted to let the mortis incarnatum purpurea do its work on him, but I got him out before it targeted him. July 6th. Shit, morning paper. Tomaszewski is dead, jumped from his fifth floor window. The hell am I going to do without parts? Tomorrow is Saturday. I think I might have to find my own parts. Maybe New York, lots of homeless children. The thought of acting myself is abhorrent to me, but family comes first. What is the life of a human child compared to the life of the man-god? Fortunately, I won't have to do this much longer. My son, the Adami Bhagavan, is almost mature enough to be released into the world. Soon the great cleansing will begin. Glorious. I'll get Peter to watch the place. He's the man. That's the last entry. Let's just... Guys, hear another thump moving around upstairs. Adami Bhagavan. Um, Let's uh, just take the book and put, and give it to the police. At this point, there's enough proofs in this. It, I think taking the journals is a good idea. I also think uh, we might consider locking the doors and setting the place on fire. Um, how is our, <laughs> the same? <laughs> do we do we have? You know, I. Is there a sanity roll involved? Yeah, do a sanity roll, all of you. I passed that. The only thing I can pass. D9. I fail. I think if you pass, you take two points. If you fail, 
take one d4 plus one. I barely pass. Five. Oh, Jacobus, do an uh, intelligence roll. Uh, I pass with a hard. Oh, okay, do a roll of 1d8 for me. Five. Okay. Um, huh, roll another eight for me. I'm looking at my chart on the wall. Four. Um, you find that you have, you've been stricken with aphasia. You, you want to say something, you want to talk, but you just can't, you've become almost hysterical and you just don't know what, what. You're, you're completely speechless for 1d10 rounds. <laughs> I mean, I, my, my, not entirely, my, the fact that he said specifically that he wouldn't like to lose me too is, and in addition to the fact that he's on his way to New York to murder children, um, the prudent thing would be to leave the house and set it afire. But of course, that's also assuming that anything that's in these journals is real. Probably it's all delusion. I mean, who impregnated his wife when he was hiding in the cellar? Uh, maybe he's got some child upstairs that he's been operating on and needs, it needs help. I don't know of any medicine that would make this child survive after so much, you know, I don't see that happening and the thing just keep on living and walking like he is right now. Yeah, what he describes is impossible. It was, it, it didn't have organs and he's been attaching animal and human limbs to it and it it's the, that doesn't connect. It's it's not level of it, it's level of magic here. Yeah. Oh, he's mad. He's clearly he's just mad. Once again, you hear something move around upstairs. Yeah, and by the way, instead of just staying here, what about we just take the book, get out of here, get the book to the police, and you know we try what we can. Well, and I guess we then, we, we try to convince the police, I mean, the books are good at convincing the police that, that Bernard is insane, but then are they really going to wait for him to pull up with his car full of children's limbs? At this point, is... I'm going to just grunt, open and close the bolt of the gun and then step outside and go into the hallway and go through the basement and, and, and go head down the stairs. You're going to go down the stairs? Yeah. Okay. Does Soma, does that ring any bells that have, does, does anyone know what Soma is? Is it 
some kind of drug? Well, the Greek root for body, somatic, but I don't, it's probably something Indian. I don't know the Indian. It could be, it could be so much stuff with this, with this person. I mean, he, right, but he, he must so he takes the same drug that he gave survey that drove survey mad and killed him, which was, which surprised him. The deaths, his death surprised him. Where's Jacobus going? Jacobus! I'm going to follow go with him. I'm going to go with him. Okay. Uh, I'm not staying here on my own. I'm, I'm going with the others. All right, so you're all following Jacobus down the stairs. He's quite a few steps ahead of you. Jacobus, you've gotten to the bottom of the stairs. What do you want to do? All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll look around. I'm actually, I, I can't say what I feel, but you can see I'm, I'm quite... Upstate, and I'll I'll look for the basement. Okay, the door is is on the on the stairs. It's it's more stairs below the stairs. So there's a door right in the side of the stairs. Right, I'll reach out to see if it's if it's locked or it's not locked. All right, so I'll open it up. Okay. Hey, what are you doing here? There are stairs going down. There's a light switch. I'll flick the switch and then go down. Think there's a child somewhere here. Okay, uh, Jacobus, you get to the, uh, the, the stairs go down to a landing, just like the stairs going up go to a landing. And uh, the, the landing is closed off. Uh, there are two doors, one on the right and one on the left. Uh, the one on the left is got a padlock on it. The other one does not. Right, so I'll... I'll reach out for the one that hasn't got the, the padlock. Okay. Open that up. Uh, you open it up and there are three stairs more going down into the basement. You see the light from the windows around the top and it looks like a utility room. There is a washing machine and, and so forth. And there are packages, uh, boxes and things stacked up. Um, this looks like the utility room that Eugene described. Right, so I'll, I'll have a look. What are the rest of you doing? Um, you're bunched up in the stairwell. Well, um, I'm yeah, I'm keeping an eye on. Okay, you see that on, he's on gone the down the basement stairs. Yeah, the lab you saw, Eugene, is on this side, right? The yeah, on the side. side of the the padlock, and I prefer that the police sees this instead of us, because. They will have options that we don't have, and we have enough. You know, to me, that's that's a bad idea to stay here. This house is strange. Everything is surreal. How, how long do I think the police would take to get here? 15, 20 minutes, most. Maybe not even that. So, uh Horatio, Eugene, I, I, we have the journals, which are some sort of proof, but what are you going to tell the police that will... That we found a journal, we found a journal on the, on the, on the ground here, uh, by coming, uh, 
since uh, Mr. Corbett gave you the keys and we saw that by reading by curiosity. Well, we can t at least tell the police that Corbett's gone to New York looking for children. No, no, no. That we don't know about. The thing is... But it's in the journal. I mean, it's in the journal, yes, but we can just say to them we didn't read everything because we were disgusted by it. Because... But what is the crime it, that we're going to get them to act on? The, 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 is the crime that, that he's that been... We, that, that we believe he's gone upstate to... I mean, the thing is, with this, they can intern him because that, that is concerned. That's madness. <sighs> well, as you guys are standing there discussing um, upstairs, uh, you hear a creak and a bang, a thump, 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 um, faster than before. Uh, it seems to be crossing the upstairs and heading towards the stairs. Oh my, it's, it's is it coming down? Does it sound like it's coming? Yeah, we have to secure that that journal and get it to the police fast because this thing, I don't know why. I've it got is, an arm full of journals. We didn't leave the journals in his office, but I, I'm not okay. Uh, Jacobus, enough with the laundry. We need your gun. Adami Bhagavan is coming. Well, uh, do I have my voice back? Um, yeah, I'd say whatever many grounds. You, you've got your voice back. It's shaky. All right. Okay, so uh, I, I would assume that I did not hear the thumping in the basement. Correct. You're looking. Right, so you I'll, said you were looking around. It looks just like yeah. a basement utility. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll 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 then head up back the the, the, the flight of stairs to keep to the landing. All right. And uh, and basically at this point I was about to say, well, gentlemen. He killed Survey, and then I'll hear Peter, Peter's exclamation of something coming down the stairs. Peter, I, I know, I know where the danger is. Just don't open that door. <laughs> Let's get ourselves to safety outside of this house. Um, as you guys are standing here, something starts coming down the stairs. Once again, it's still a thump, 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 thump. And the last thump, as it hits the landing, and you guys are no doubt staring straight in that direction. Jacobus is downstairs, so he doesn't see this. Something leaps down onto the landing. This is the ground floor at the base of the stairs. Right, you're you're on the ground floor at the, the base of the stairs. Yeah. Um, it it takes your brains a moment to process what it is you see. So I'll just describe it the way it looks. There is a woman's head with long black hair from instead of a neck and a body, there is a single 
barefoot, human foot that's bare, that props the head up. And instead of where her ears would be, there are two human arms that stick out the side of her head. And when she sees you, she goes and bounces back up the stairs. And you hear her bouncing around all over the place upstairs. And then you can once again hear that attic door slam shut. You can all do sanity goals. And I think all of you screw <laughs> without whether or not you pass. Did, did I see this? No, you're downstairs. Okay. Well, I, I definitely scream. I rolled my second 92. Uh, oh. How about you, you Eugene? 93. Uh, so you all failed. Um, uh, roll a <laughs> 1D, 1D6. Oh, you know. <laughs> D6. D6. Uh, so right. roll intelligence if you failed. Five. If you got more than five. I'm pretty smart. Oh, I managed to fail that, actually. Okay, so Eugene and Peter, you yeah. grab each other. How did you do Horatio? Did you fail? <laughs> uh, took five sanity and succeeded my intelligence. Okay, roll a 1d8 for me. D8. Unsuccessful six. for an intelligence roll. Did you get six? Hmm. I am going to say that you are completely horrified by what you see. It's a monster. It's definitely a monster. And you have a cutlass in your hand. You were going to go kill that thing. Okay, I'll chase after it. So Horatio suddenly yells and swings his uh, cutlass around and starts bolting towards the stairs as that thing disappears upstairs. Uh, Peter and Eugene, you've grabbed each other and yelled. And uh, Jacobus, you hear all three of them yell. Uh, I'll rush upstairs to see now what the hell is going on. Uh, Did he hear the hiss also? Uh, Jacobus didn't. No, he didn't hear any of that. It hissed like a cat hisses. What is it? What happened? Where's, where's Ratio going? He's chasing the child monster. It's... It so, must die! It's so... Right. You... We have to get him out. We have to set the place on fire. We have to destroy I'll, everything. I'll rush to, after Ratio. You, uh, you start to, running up, Jacobus. Uh, Peter and Eugene, I would like you to do listen holes, hearing all of that. Hearing the sound of Horatio being torn limb from limb. Uh, 19, so I think it's uh, hard. I have an extreme success. Uh, no, it's a uh, it's normal pass. Normal pass. Okay. Um, Eugene, you notice that Peter suddenly turns and looks towards the basement door. The locked uh, door. And then you also hear the locked door. You also hear something 
Peter hears it first. There's the sound of something that sounds like an air compressor um, that's suddenly going off down in the basement, like some sort of mechanism. Uh oh. This. Um, I just get the fuck out of here. It, it also occurs to you, too, that there was nothing about that thing that had children's body parts. Um, Horatio. Four, four different human body parts, right? Did the arms match? Uh, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, head, arm, arm, leg. Does it matter? And it was obviously hopping on the foot. Uh, <laughs> Horatio, you run upstairs. You are damn sure that it went back up into the attic. Um, so you're chasing uh, to the room. In fact, it didn't have time to close the attic door. So the attic door is still sort of standing open. Jacobus, you are running up behind Horatio. What do you want to do? Uh, where's it gone? What does, does it look like, Horatio? He's, he's completely out of it. He's, oh, he's, he's completely he's in right. a frenzy. Um, in, fact, in fact, Horatio, do a... Um, do a luck roll. Uh, Jacobus, do a luck roll to see if Horatio actually takes a swing at you. <laughs> I I pass with one. Okay, um, you come. You're coming up behind Horatio, and he swings that cutlass around at you, and it just manages to miss you. Um, and then he turns I to run up the stairs. Fuck Horatio! What are you doing? Uh, I'll block it with the rifle. You can see that he's, he's crazed. He's shaking all over and he's going to kill it. The abomination. All right, Horatio. Well, I'll, 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 I'll keep out of his way and see if he can kind of lead me to whatever he's chasing. Right. Uh, Horatio and Jacobus, you're going up into the attic. Uh, Horatio is going first. Um, it's a it's a fairly dark attic. There are boxes of things here and there. And uh, Horatio, you are, uh, you know it must be up here, but there are a lot of little hiding places where it could be. And there's no light source. Um, you didn't bother to turn anything on. Uh, Jacobus, you can turn the light on as you come All up. right, I'll flick the switch. So there's lights it? on. Um, there's Where still a it? lot of little heading places. There's boxes and things up here. Um, let's jump back to oh. the other two. Peter and Eugene. Uh, you can hear definitely a noise coming from down in the basement. And that thing didn't have children's body parts. Uh, uh, let's get out of here. Um, one of us should... Um, look out uh yeah like yeah let's walk out the front door um i'm gonna go to uh to mr corbett's shed uh and look for uh kerosene and delight i'm sure he would have something like that gasoline even yeah. oh he wouldn't have a gasoline but yeah he would have kerosene yeah, I mean, oil lamps and things. Sure. Uh, we're going to 
we're not now, Eugène, we're not going to set the house on fire until Horatio and Jacobus have come out. Okay. So we don't warn the police? We, th that thing, I, we can't, uh, call the police if you want. I, they can arrest me for arson. I'll be waiting in his yard with a box of matches after putting kerosene around the house as many times as I can. I'll wait. I'll wait to to call the police. I I'll just secure the books somewhere, maybe inside yeah, let's the put the, put the journals across the street so they don't burn. Sure. Yeah, It'll inside help of one of my skilled inside of one of my sculptures, uh, no one will find it there. Uh, you know the one in my uh, in my bedroom, the seventh one. It seems elaborate, but as you will, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get I'm gonna get the fire ready. First kerosene, then okay. kindling, because the whole, because I want, it has to destroy the basement, whatever is the basement, too. Okay. I'm going to make sure to secure the... And you're the, right, the we are going to have to get the authorities involved, because, because Bernard's coming back with parts of children. Yeah, we still have to get our friends out and book if we, you know. If there was a way to alert the authorities in New York that there was a guy looking to chop limbs off children, but I just don't, I mean, I guess we can give them a description. Thing fire is, first, fire first. And fire first, and we, we can't send them the proofs, the, the, the evidences anyway, so I don't think they will listen like that. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a bet here, so I'm not taking bets right now. I'm gonna secure the book, you know where it is. Uh, I know where it is. We can tell to the others if they could, they 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 get down, and let's go by this. And then I'm gonna go at my house to hide the books. other book. Mm. Okay. Um, Horatio and Jacobus, you are looking around the uh, the attic. Uh, Horatio, both of you do luck rolls. Nope. Oh, no, sorry. I actually passed. Okay. Yeah, I um, passed. All right. So, you, uh, Jacobus, you're very concerned for Horatio. He's swinging that knife around. He's pulling boxes and throwing them over to the side and looking behind him. And you are keeping a distance, following, away, following along. And uh, he throws a box. And you step out of the way and you sort of clear another box as you do it and you look down and right in front of you is this woman thing uh, which looks straight up into your face and hisses like a like a cat and bounces into the corner and it's sort of trapped you can do a sandwich It's a fail. <laughs> All right, one d six. 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 Do an intelligence roll. I'm so bad at. Uh, which I pass again. All right. 
And finally, 1d8. One. Ah. Uh, you see it, you back up, and everything goes black. There are sparkles and then it's blackness. And you completely faint. Uh, you scream and you faint. Horatio, you hear him scream, you see him faint, and you see that thing leap out from behind a box. Um, it is going to attempt to get back to the, uh, the attic door and get out. Um, go ahead and swing your sword into a, a fight brawl. Good luck, guys. Oh. Uh, that's a regular 15 out of 25. Okay. I fail. All right. Um, you, you bring, you tell me where you were aiming at with the, the cutlass. What part of it? Arm, arm, leg, head. Head. Right. Do a, um, let's see. I don't know if we've got, so I do have sword. Uh, 1d6 plus one plus your your damage bonus if you have one. D6 plus one it is. Seven. All right, you hit it pretty hard. You definitely uh, damage it. Um, it can't seem to make any more than a hissing noise, but it, it hisses uh, and it's, it's injured. So it's sort of rolling around kicking and trying to use its limbs to get it away. Um, it's vulnerable. Just looking at it. It must die. All right, you can do another crawl. Then. Panic. That's a fail. Okay, you, you, it keeps kicking around, you keep missing it. Uh, but by now you're sort of coming out of your uh, insane, uh, your in, in indefinite insanity um, and you find yourself standing there over this thing swinging your cutlass and apparently you killed Jacobus because he's lying on the floor over there and you think that he's dead um, and you're in the attic apparently fighting this hissing thing oh my god what have I done <laughs> what's this thing doing um, it's trying to kind of crawl away, but, but very violently. It's it does, it's not trying to attack or anything, but it's it's almost beyond imagination. It's a how how much of an abomination and how horrible this thing is. And you're you're thinking in your mind, this must be Lucy. Uh, do you want to continue killing it? Putting it out of its misery. Um, yes, well, well, because you're uh, no, now rash. I, I, I throw my sword at it and, okay. and run. <laughs> I'm not cut out for this. You're going to leave Jacobus there on the floor? Oh my god. Um Jacobus, is he is he alive? You're gonna I, try to, yeah, I, he's breathing. 
Uh, it looks like he's just fainted. He's he's pale. Um, we'll say that you're tapping him on the face. He starts I'm to wake up. Pull it, I, I just pull him behind, pull him down. I, so right. I'm going down the stairs, pulling him with me. There, there's a moment of Jacobus's hysteria as you pull him towards the stairs and uh, both of you come down the stairs. I assume you're going to run out of the house. You guys also hear the air compressor downstairs in the, the basement. I've lost more than 25% of, of my sanity. Yeah, you'll have to seek uh, professional. I, I need some real help. But uh, we won't give you any of that. I'm just wondering if this would be. My guess is you now have a complete aversion to women with long black hair. <laughs> that would make the most sense at this point. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to Horatio's world. <laughs> um, are you guys going to go outside? You're going to go to the basement. You don't know where uh, Peter and Eugene went. They could have gone down to the basement. Horatio, uh, Peter and, and Eugene, they're they downstairs. I don't know I where they them. are. I don't no, know. I left them. We left them today. We have to go and find them. I thought I killed you, Jacobus. That thing. Did, did, did you kill it? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Please, can we just leave? You, you're welcome to leave. I, I need to go and find Peter. And, and Eugene, oh. you stay here. Stay here. Wait, wait, wait for it. Shout when it if you, if it comes down or you hear it. Shout. My sword. Well, what did I do with it? Um, is there anything I can grab to use as a weapon? There's uh, that thing in the cabinet that looked kind of like a knife. There's butcher knives, kitchen stuff. Uh, well, if I'm near the display cabinet. I try and open it. Okay, it opens. It's not locked. Grab, grab the knife and okay. point it up the stairs, and just wait. Hurry up, Jacobus! Hurry up! You can you can hear whatever it was thrashing around for a bit, but then it stops. You may have you may have killed killed it or injured it enough that it's bled to death. I. Um, you guys are still in the. Your guys are on the bottom floor, or you're still on the first floor. I don't know. Um, I would imagine we're on, on, on the bottom floor. Okay, you've gone back. You've gone all the way down the stairs. Um, you don't know where Peter and Eugene are. All right, I'll I'll head down down towards the basement again. I mean, okay. that's where I saw them lift last. Um, you go down the basement, and. Uh, about halfway down the stairs, you hear the air compressor stop. Um, it's It's been on for a few minutes, so it suddenly stops. Uh, the door to what must be the lab is still uh, padlocked. Uh, Peter, Eugene, are you done here? Uh, Peter, you can do a listen roll to see if you hear them inside the house. You've definitely heard some hooting and hollering. Uh, wow. Uh, 
that's a hard success. All right. You, you faintly hear Jacoba say something. Yeah. So he's probably, you know, by the stairs that I'm hearing into the dining room window or something. But it's close enough that I like, if I can rap on the glass and say, come out, come out. Um, Jacobus, you hear that, but it's upstairs. It's all, oh, oh, dang it. I'll, I'll go up. Um, Horatio, it's, did you hear? I think Peter and Eugene's outside. Did I not hear this, Peter? Um, yeah, you probably, yeah, you would have heard him. You're both there. Oh, oh they're, out, they're outside. So I'll, I'll go then. I'll go outside. All right. So you both go outside. You're all uh, you're outside, and by now Eugene has come back. Um, you all look pale and frightened. Did you see that thing? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And there's something else downstairs, and uh, I think that's the more dangerous thing. So I, if you can smell, I've been preparing a large fire lift, lift up this, my feet been walking through this can just burn the greenhouse with it i think the greenhouse is probably too far away for one fire isn't it yeah but we and can mostly glass and metal the plants inside are wet and green yeah we can uh hope for a prevailing wind that will take care of it um but whatever is in the basement is the thing that is coming for us all. Um, so I've, I, I, he had some kerosene and a little lamp oil as well. And I've uh, gathered some brush. So now that we're all outside, if you'll stand back, I'm ready to light it up. Don't want to see what it is. I don't want to see what it is. That's right. Monstrous. It was monstrous. I mean, a, a bunch of mismatched children's limbs started with my organs and no i don't i'll, I'll go quiet and, and stay back and say okay I, I, in fact we might see what it is if the fire lets it out so you Peter, should... what are you waiting for light it light it all right uh you light it the fire runs along the ground where you've put the kerosene it runs around the sides of the house and runs into the living room as you see it go in. Um, uh, there's a, a sort of a, a low bluish light as it, uh, as it runs along, uh, which is quickly overtaken by that sort of bright orangey yellow light as curtains catch on fire and uh, pieces of furniture begin to ignite. Um, uh, there's a, a sort of pause as you're waiting uh, for the fire to get going. Uh, and then you see it, you can see the light through the windows as the, uh, the flickering orange starts to rise up. Uh, the house catches fire. Uh, you stand back. Now, it takes maybe five minutes before anyone in the vicinity starts to notice the smoke uh, that's going up. Um, and before, quick, quick question, before that happens, can I find something to 
burn the inside of the the greenhouse by I don't know smashing a window and throwing I don't know oil lamp in it that's that's light lighted and uh, well you've set the you house know. on fire so there's no lamps or oil lamps uh, do you still have some of the kerosene um, I'm sure actually I used all the kerosene but since Eugène lives next door he probably has his own yeah, well, maybe with my own stuff. Maybe with my own stuff because I'm worried okay. about that plant into the the greenhouse. All right, so. do a luck roll. Okay. I'm sure you probably have black paint thinner or stuff like that. Seventy-three. So I guess I don't have it anymore. Maybe you have it at your shop, but not at your house. Yeah. In any case, the house begins to burn, um, and it's a good ten minutes. Uh, the house is well engulfed in flames now, uh, before you hear fire engines off in the distance. Um, there are other neighbors, uh, well, mostly wives, uh, if you have them, and or lady companions who are very old. Uh, coming out to see what's going on. They're alarmed. There's a fire. Uh, Corbett's is, is burning. Uh, you guys are all, I assume, standing here watching or standing on the street. Well, technically, I'm at my, my home, but I guess I'm an exception. You case. probably came back. You couldn't find Um... As you are standing there, there is a noise. Um, at first, it's hard to identify, but then it gets much louder. Uh, there is the sound of screaming children. It sounds like screams, it sounds like cries, like infant cries. And it also sounds like a huge thunderous sort of growl or, or like a lion would make. Uh, and as you are looking at the fire and the house begins to collapse uh, because these old wooden houses burn pretty quickly, um, you see something moving in the middle of the fire. And the thing that you see is on fire as it's attempting to climb out of the rubble. Now, the picture that I have would have been if you had seen it in the basement, but this is what you see trying to climb out of the fire. Oh, my God. For fuck's sake. I fell. Yeah. Uh, you can all do sandy rolls on that one. Uh, and it's howling, and it's crying, and its skin is blistering, and the smell is ungodly. It smells like feces and vomit, and uh, the thing writhes, and its little arms are sizzling, and... Uh, it is not surviving the fire, uh, but for a few moments it writhes, and then it becomes, it's consumed. The flames lick up, it stops moving. 
and the smell is terrible. Um, how did you do on your sanity? Well, we only passed fifty-one. All right. If you if you passed, do a one d six. If you failed, do a one d ten. Ouch. Nine. Five. Two. Six. And how about you, Eugene? Two. Two? All right. Uh, so, Eugene, you managed it. You're like, I've seen wealth in France. And uh, the rest of you all uh, roll your intelligence to see if you really, truly lose your, your mind. Oh, seeing should should have added a bit more grammatism to it. Failed by two. Passed again. Regular Answer. success here. All right. Peter and Jacobus run screaming down the street, uh, in in hysterics. Uh, Horatio, you are terribly shaken, but you and Eugene are standing there, as uh, as you see the flames lick to the sky and this thing die down. Pointing this Ganesh knife. All right. Epilogue. The fire is bad. The um, the firemen come. They try to put out the fire. It, it's it, by by this moment the, the the house is too far gone. It's collapsing. They're just making sure that it doesn't spread. Um, but we can say Eugene that you ran around and threw some flaming debris into the greenhouse. You smashed the, uh, the walls. Yeah, just to be sure. Made, made sure that it was on fire. And the flames start and to die down. The neighborhood neighbors are all standing outside watching. And uh, the firemen do their best to, to put it out. Uh, they, of course, don't find any evidence of this thing. They don't even know that it exists. Everything that was there is burned. Um, you probably talked to the police, uh, Horatio and Eugene. Um, eventually, Peter and Jacobus come back. And uh, the police, the firemen, and you all wait for Mr. Corbett to come home. Uh, you thought about calling the police and telling them what Corbett was possibly doing, but in New York City, there's no way they could find him. All the cars look the same, you know. Uh, later that night, Mr. Corbett, in fact, does come home and almost crashes his car when he comes around the corner and he sees the smoking rubble of his house. Uh, he slams on his brakes. His car uh, goes off the curb, lands on the, you know, the pavement and the grass. Uh, he comes running out. Uh, he runs right to the edge of the fire and drops to his knees, uh, screaming in, in what, what appears to be anguish and, and grief. Um, he's calling out as the police grab a hold of him and, uh, they, uh, drag him kicking and screaming to their car and they take him off to jail. Now, the final little bit of this is this, the two of you that are watching, you notice that of course people have arrived. People are looking, people are, are trying to figure out what happened here. 
you notice two people. Um, you might recognize them, especially Horatio, you would recognize them. One of them is Mr. Uh, Ted uh, Hewitt. Um, and as you recall, he is the president of a club in town called the Arcane Society. They investigate weird things. They're basically ghost hunters, and you've never took any of that seriously. But the other man with him is uh, Professor Hermit, uh, Henry Armitage from the university, uh, the head librarian. And as you are listening to them chit-chat, uh, one of them says to the other, he says, I think that it was trying to create some sort of bridge between worlds. We have to keep our, we, we need to be vigilant from now on. And if you try to approach them, they just hush up what they're saying. And that is the end of our story. And you guys did very well. Didn't expect you to burn down the house, <laughs> at least not immediately. All right, questions? I mean, you got most of it from the, uh, from the journal. So where did he find poor Lucy? Lucy, he created. It was one of his earlier experiments when he switched from animal parts to human parts. Um, Tomaszowski was supplying him, as you thought, with parts that were supposed to be incinerated. And he had managed through the, through the absorption of knowledge from Yogg-Sothoth, uh, uh, Rama Sekva's, uh, the avatar of Yogg-Sothoth, um, how to do this, how to reanimate the dead. He was, you could probably count Mr. Corbett as the greatest surgeon that has ever lived. He could pretty much do anything by this point. Um, but all he was concerned with was, like I see, his family. Um, he normally, all of his other previous experiments, as you may have suspected, uh, he chopped up and put them into his garden as fertilizer. So all of those fruits and vegetables he were eating were fertilized by body parts and things like that, and animal body parts. Post-game sanity roll. Right. Tomaszowski had gone, was kind of off the deep end. He, he was still continuing as the jackal, even though he, Corbett thought that he'd stopped all of that. Um, uh, let's see. Tom, I have uh, to say, I love the fact that I, you know, occasionally I know that there's an, a, 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 a chat going and a separate conversation happening mm -hmm. on Zoom because you're, because, because you're, uh, when you're typing, your gaze is different. Right. But I didn't know you were writing the last part of the diary. <laughs> and that, <laughs> the, the, the freshness of detail of that was yeah, really that was spooky. Very, yeah. Yeah. Very good. yeah. Like, That's oh. my favorite part. And actually, when I said I need to use the restroom, uh, I was hoping I would come back and none of you would be here. And I'd be like, oh, that gives me time to type more. But actually, you guys had had. I, I pre-typed some stuff at the end thinking that I'll just erase this if that's not what they do, or I'll do this. If, so I, ha I was kind of, I was pretty well prepared for it. Um, the plant, uh, the plant, the plant has come active in both the last games, but not in this one. Uh, uh, Morden Carnata's Purpurea 
is uh, some seeds that Ramasekva gave to Corbett. Uh, it's a carnivorous plant. Um, it it's means death, too. death incarnate. Um, well, the plant normally, uh, it, it just sits there. It's a pretty beautiful plant. Uh, and it waits for something to come nearby. Uh, and when it does, it uh, shakes pollen onto them. It, it targets them, and then it shakes pollen on, and the pollen pretty much dissolves the person. They rot into the ground, and then the plant absorbs the nutrients. Um, it it happened in the previous games. What stopped us from going into the greenhouse? What's that? What stopped us from going into the greenhouse before? Everybody else has gone on tours. Uh, wow. It was great. Holly, uh, Holly became fascinated by the plant and started taking photographs of it, which is fine. But as she was standing in front of it, she suddenly looked and saw that it was targeting her. And Mr. Corbett came over and grabbed her and said, okay, we have to go. We have to go. Oh, so he kind of saved her life, but she was that close. Oh, it's basically a timer inside of the, it, the greenhouse. It waits. It takes that... about 20 minutes before okay. it notices an animal and then dissolves the animal. I uh, I'm rarely look forward to watching other versions of the game as much as I'm looking forward to watching other versions of this because mm. it, it clearly was very... Uh, driven by our choices. Yeah, I mean, yes. obviously, all the stuff is in this funnel of Mr. Corbett's house, but yeah, the fact there's, that there's always the danger of people saying, "Let's go burn down Mr. Corbett's house in the first episode." <laughs> 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 so I have to convince you that Mr. Corbett's a good guy. Well, you, you're a very nice, Mr. Corbett. Um, um, very nice neighbor. I think that it, it's interesting that the the most Dunwich Horror monster is in the cellar because I would have started with the cellar first after we broke in, if it weren't for the thumps. Right. That's an and I did that on purpose because I wanted you to get to the journal first. All right. Um, what else was there? Oh, Tomaszowski is an interesting character. Uh, Corbett threatened him. You saw in the journal that he threatened him. Well, once he was threatened, he was basically a little terrified. And when you guys started talking about drugs and stuff, he became very frightened. And when you mm. chased him back to his apartment, he panicked and he took a whole bunch of drugs and basically was blasted out of his mind. That's why he was trying to climb out the window. I hope that made the fall less terrifying yeah, for him. Probably didn't even feel it. But, was, was uh, the amulet that he was wearing Soma, uh, panic? Soma is actually the legendary drug uh, in Hindu religions that allows you to commune with the gods. Okay. And a lot of the plants that he was growing in there, uh, he used to produce the drugs. Uh, and it's also the name that Aldous Huxley used for the drug. In for the drug world. in, yeah, that's true. Before we finish, I'd like to mention that uh, we have our new pins. Uh, I think they turned out really great, and you can find them on Etsy. I'll put a link below. Um, our players included uh, Yusuf Gita, David Gassaway, Chris Van Weyck, and Simon, Simon Benfe. Uh, with myself as the Keeper of the Secrets. We have a Discord server where you can chat with our other members. You can set up private games. You can learn the fine arts of gameplay and game mastering. 
we provide audio versions, uh, audio versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to help support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel, and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows. And leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answer any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of H.P. Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming.